the great fundamental issue now before our people can be taken seriously. It is, are the American people fit to govern themselves, to rule themselves, to control themselves? I believe they are. My opponents do not. of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. We must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic processes. the future and the image of our hopes is ours is to determine by our actions and our choices. If we succeed, generations to come will say of us now living that we mastered our moment. Americanism, not globalism, will be our credo. Bringing Heartland America into the heart of the swamp. This is The Right Take. How is it going, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number 78 here on The Right Take. I am Eric Lindrum, here with my co-host Jacob Grandstaff. And we've got yet another elections-focused episode for you guys. As always, we're continuing our theme, our focus of the most important elections of the midterms. Two states we'll be focusing on in particular, both in the Rust Belt, including arguably the most hotly contested Senate seat in the country, the seat that could decide control of the upper chamber of Congress. But before we do that, of course, we have to, as you guys can already see from the title, a bit of a spoiler, but the formal introduction. We have for you guys this special episode, a guest, uh, once again here on The Right Take, but a rare kind of guest. I think only the maybe the second time we have or third time we have had a guest in studio here, ladies and gentlemen. This is a name you may remember from a long time ago, over a year ago now, back in June of 2021. Jacob and I were invited to give our first ever media interview as the co-hosts of The Right Take. It was not the California Republican Assembly speech. That was earlier this year. It was an interview for a humble little radio show in Ohio hosted by none other than our good mutual friend who is in studio here with us today. We've been trying to make this happen for over a year, folks, to have him come on our show. 
the one and the only Kyle Winner. Well, Kyle. it is great to be here, Eric. I do appreciate it. It's been a while since I've sat in a, uh, a hot seat, as they would call it. Uh, but everything has been beautiful today. A little bit of traffic on the 395 this morning coming in over. I, I went over to the... Uh, it's the the Potomac. Potom- How do you say that river's name? Uh, I think it's uh, the Potomac. The Potomac. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Potomac. I went over there and played the Potomac Lynx. As they, I, I phoned ahead. I said I was coming to town. They said we'll get it right, ready for you, right out of the gate. So a beautiful day here in D.C. Beautiful day to come down and see you guys. Been wanting to do this for, I, I think you're right, about a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and a humble show, yes, but probably the best show in the uh, Dayton, Ohio market. I, I like to boast. It was uh, what we did with that was, was very great. And uh, it's unfortunate it had to get shut down, but it's just something I couldn't do anymore. But uh, understandable. Uh, and it was a great time. It was a great interview. It was, it was a long interview. Jacob and I both Skyped in. I of course remember listening back and realizing I had not properly failed to cover my inset headphone microphone. And I was coughing. I was clearing my throat constantly. I've just had this kind of perpetual. I don't know. That's why I am now j- Kyle yeah, and I are both Rubio. hydrated. We're, we're pulling Marco Rubio's, but this is audio only. So it's Show not Rubio how to take a drink here. Simultaneous yeah. sip, just like a Scott Adams would say. Chad Chug. Drink, as uh, Andrew Tate would say, take the whole <laughs> bottle of water, chug it at once. You never feel dehydrated. I don't know if that's a good British um, impersonation there, but I think it's a good Andrew Tate impersonation. We'll get Jack Hadfield's uh, take on whether or not that yeah, was a good British once we accent. Can that's free okay. him. Yeah, I mean, of course, they've got n- no shortage of stuff to talk about over in the UK right now, unfortunately, with the tragic passing of Queen Elizabeth II. But that's not why we're here, folks. We're an America First show. We are here to talk about American affairs. Uh, and before we do that, let, let's just uh, let's talk a little bit. Of course, you mentioned, Kyle, you came here from Ohio all the way out here to the swamp, to the heart of corruption and evil in the United States. Which reminds me, I would not do this without carrying, okay? I would not do it without safely always carrying. So I I brought you something here, Eric, and you'll be very interested in this. Oh, my goodness. Speaking of Ohio, speaking of always staying strapped, and I somehow had to smuggle this on the metro, I have brought you some of Ohio's finest Skyline Chili, original chili. Aww. And this is not private reserve. This is not out of my stash. This is direct off of your local Kroger store shelving. So you now you can now taste Thank the you. finest oh Ohio goodness, has to just, offer. And now uh, I can get that off my suit jacket. Now it's not <laughs> leaning on me. But, no wonder, no wonder. And you got that at a Kroger in the D.C. area? Uh, do we have Kroger's down here? I, I rarely go into D.C. anymore. I Full disclosure, I live in Arlington, Virginia. I very rarely venture into the swamp anymore, namely because I'm terrified of the traffic, but also because, I mean, I have a handful of friends there, and every now and then I'll go there for, like, a party or something, but usually I, I don't make my way into D.C. anymore, so I cannot speak as an expert on the status of Kroger's in the D.C. area. Um, I mean— I that's I, I wish I wish I could tell you more, unfortunately. Well, but I, I can do not know. speak on the uh, status of Skyline Chili for you. If you've never, have you ever tried it? I have not. You have not tried. So this is an Ohio thing. I mean, this is the Queen City, Cincinnati. Like you have got to try this. It's like a cinnamon's what they do with it. Ooh, okay. So I brought you down a can. I don't know. It might have baked in the car all day over the public parking there by the links. But um, I will tell you, I can speak for the quality of it. And if you have a, a vendetta against uh, your your butthole, let's put it that way. <laughs> You will, you will clear that vendetta very quickly, but it is very good oh, on the way down. Some I'm, people hate it. Some people love it. You either do one or the other, but I'll say, straight from Ohio. Thank you kindly for your gift, good sir. I'll say only this much. Jacob and I know a mutual friend who has such a vendetta, could possibly make use of that with a vendetta, but I'm going to leave it there. Well, no I didn't get you the mini can. I got you the full can here. No names, but Jacob, you know who I'm talking about. We'll send him a can next. Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay, so Kyle, tell us a little bit of what's it been like being in D.C.? Because you have only been to D.C. a handful of times, is that right? Yeah, this is my third endeavor down here, and it's a big ordeal when I come down. They roll out the red carpet, uh, you know, 
I have to get everything in line. The private jet has to fly in. You know, it's a whole mess. People but, go uh, so crazy over you coming that they storm the Capitol. You yeah, know? <laughs> I, I tend to have that influence, I guess. Allegedly, it's any of the Fed boys listening. But Full disclosure, I am referring, of course, to the peaceful protests that happened on January 6th. They were nonviolent. It was a mostly peaceful entering of the Capitol. Uh, but in all seriousness, Kyle, uh, you, were, you were in D.C. for it was the November March, uh, right? Save what, what, the various marketing names they have for the rallies. Which one was that? There were the th there were three rallies post 2020 election. There was one in November, one in December, and of course the one on January 6th. I believe it was the November one. It was when y you, me, Jacob, our buddy Tom Pappert was there. Well, it was a great big gathering of friends I had met only online up to that point. Uh, a handful of my IRL friends were there. Yeah, because I remember we had dinner on the other side of the river there in Arlington. Yes, at a nice it was a nice little uh, kind of <gasps> what was it called? wholesome place. I forget what it was called. I, the I food was, was good. A Mexican place, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, no, it was not. No, it's not Mexican. No, but Tom. Tom it was good was, American food. It was good, it was was good there, American yeah. food. I took leftovers home because I had so much on my but plate. But it was Tom, a couple of his friends, a couple of other friends they had in. We all ate there. But that was at the exact same moment mm -hmm. that the, uh, I think it was what the siege of the JW Marriott was happening just across the river where Alex Jones was staying at the time, and that's when Antifa yes. had yes, stormed it was, the fact, hotel. It was going on as we were eating yeah. dinner. I remember that's watching right. it on Twitter. Yeah. Goodness. And I remember Tom was saying, oh, uh, I guess the hotel's under siege because they had won. They had repelled Antifa. And then Alex Jones had put out block party at the JW Marriott, and so everyone gathered as like a holy uh, crusade as they had driven back Antifa from the JW Marriott. And all the cops actually had to defend the hotel from Antifa coming back. So that was a, a big, huge, bigly, bigly victory right there. The, the battle of the JW Marriott. Yeah. Just think like 200-something years from now, you know, just like there's all these Civil War battlefields oh, all around Virginia. Oh, it was. Virginia. held be... up in there like a, a king in a castle, and uh, they were like repelling the Antifa ladders off of there, and the uh, the bike locks they were swinging. It was it was brutal. Yeah. The modern so, Alamo. So quick story. I actually wanted to, I would actually wanted Eric and me to go down and check it out after we were done eating, but he had to get home. Uh, he had had a long day, so yeah. I actually yes. went down there that night just to kind of see what was going on and the battles raged i would say until two or three in the morning it was it was pretty epic it i was, think it was off and on because i went down there after we ate um yeah and i remember the cops were still down there and they, in fact they were hassling some guy was trying to make his way down the street and they were pushing him back and he was yelling at him and oh we hung out out there uh, owen schroyer was out front there yes. said hi to him tom was out front and uh -huh. we were just kind of all out there and then that was the night, but what? But, uh, a they they conquered. That, that was the night that the MAGA ladies conquered Black Lives Matter Square. That was when uh, a lot of the MAGA <laughs> women went and actually pulled down the BLM banners from some of the the non the leftist nonprofits in that area. Just pulled them down. The police had to go in there and break them up. It was, it was pretty neat. Like the police just came and said, hey, stop doing that. And they walked off. No one was arrested, but they completely trashed BLM Plaza and it was all over Twitter the next day. It was just, I mean, Based. I'm really glad I got to see it live. It was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. And Which, I'm glad that we had nothing to do with the actual siege. We went to the block yeah, party afterwards. We, we, but, you know. No, you, you are correct. But to, to your question, Eric, about what it's like coming down here is from Ohio and, and what it's like in D.C. This is my third time down here. Uh, the people are better. I know everyone kind of um, takes a dump on, on big cities and whatnot. I, I love them to death. I love coming down and visiting them. I don't think I could live in them. I, maybe I could if I had any of the skills or was proficient in anything it takes to work in these cities. But uh, my humble freight industry is kind of where I like to be. That's where my, my, my brain is at. Sure. So the, the Midwest works out great for that. And it's, it's quiet. But I like to come down here, see friends, hang out. The people are very friendly. 
the, the women are, are much better. And there's none of the uh, fakeness that Ohioans tend to have. Fake, Ohioans can be very fake in their, their appearance and their style because they really don't leave their small towns a lot of times and they don't have an idea of the outside world. That's not a bad thing, but, you know, it just it's a beautiful city down here. And uh, they paired us on the course. I'm not used to this in Ohio, like uh, talking to people. Usually everyone's very, you know, kind of they don't talk and they stick mm -hmm. to themselves. Uh, you actually at this one, it's just a little Publix link out there, the par three. You, you get paired with people, and then you just play with them. That doesn't happen in Ohio. So I like to get out of the, the house every once in a while, away from the cornfields. And so it's been a very lovely day, and I'm excited to talk uh, about the elections tonight. Of course, yeah. That's a very interesting take you had there. I mean, first off, your take on big cities. Uh, I, I'm going to uh, – of course, I personally don't care much for big cities. I think it's a handful of big cities – I liked enough in my life. I think San Diego was cool. I've been to San Diego a couple times. I like that one. I enjoy Arlington, where I am in Arlington, in the Boston neighborhood, which is a nice little, kind of like a college town. I think, Jacob, you said the Boston neighborhood where I am is like a, kind of like a cross between a college town and a military base. Like, everything you could ask for is right there within walking distance. There's a mall, movie theater, grocery stores. There's a metro there. There's a number of, like, colleges and auxiliary campuses for various colleges. There's all kinds of college students running around. There's bars. There's a beer gardens. There's just so much there. It's a nice neighborhood so i've come to like that area the thing about dc it's i remember some dc residents telling me it's yes of course it's the nation's capital so people are gonna think of it as a big city but geographically speaking it's not that big it's certainly not no Manhattan. no it's no. very scenic too and they i mm -hmm. think they have like a building height limit down here or something in dc so i think so yeah so it, like the washington it, monument and the capitol stand tall over like yeah. everything else i mean yeah. it's the easiest city in all of america to navigate you just look up for the giant washington uh, memorial there yep and you can find your way anywhere in the city very easy to walk very easy to traverse i would not drive a car down there i made that mistake i went directly from the course to my hotel uh, about north of the white Yikes. house it, finding a parking garage in this town is an absolute crime worse than january 6th that they're trying to make that event out to be i'd say trying to find a parking garage in this town is worse i went through like two or three before and i think the one guy tried to hose me for 25 bucks but i was not having it and i turned around so I finally got it settled. Yeah, I think I parked a total of three times the whole time I was there. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't own a car down here, that's for sure. But I had a lot of fun on the Metro. I love riding that. Yeah, the Metro's great. I do have a car, but I, I've only been I stay out of DC for a reason. I was telling you this, Kyle, before we went live. I've only driven in DC once, and that was to pick up a friend from the airport and take her home uh late at night because you know she, she needed a ride. So I was of course happy to do that for my friend. But um yeah, parallel parking. Well, I mean, as someone for the longest time in my life, I own a pickup truck back in California. And parallel parking in a pickup truck is a nightmare. Of of course, I have a Jeep now, a very smaller body, shorter length body. Parallel parking is much easier. I still wouldn't do it. Yeah. I still will not drive I asked the guy at the Hilton I rolled up. After like going through two or three parking garages, I rolled up to the – I said, all right, I'll pay the 60 for the overnight uh, for the valet parking. You know, I'll just throw in the – hey, leave her running, you know, for my 09 Ford Ranger that I put around in. And he did not want to take – first of all, it's a five-speed. It's not even automatic. So he, he was like, well, let me see if we take these first. And he came back and said, ah, these are oversized or whatever. So I, he, he did get me a good parking place, but uh, when I came back, I saw there was actually a fee for $69 nice, uh, dollars to park oversized vehicles. And I thought, ah, oh, you just didn't want to. You just didn't want to drive it. That's what it was. You didn't like my little my little Ranger at the Hilton. So, but they, he got he got me figured out down there. So, and one other point I wanted to mention real quick here before we move on to the politics is um you mentioned of course how easy it is to navigate because you look down every other street 
boom, there's the Washington Monument. Boom, there's the Capitol. My grandfather told me the, that because he uh, was stationed in D.C. long ago, back when he was with the Navy. Uh, he, he, had, he had not come back to the city since then. He always told me that the, the last time he'd ever been to D.C. was when a guy named Harry Truman was in the White House. But back then, of course, the streets were the same. He said the reason the streets are like that, no other city in America is designed like that, where the streets kind of crisscross. And usually it's parallel grids, you know, parallel and perpendicular grids like in most big cities. In D.C., all the streets crisscross diagonally. They all aim at either the, mostly the Capitol and some of the Washington Monument. That's because the city of D.C., the plans, like the layout of the city, was designed by a Frenchman, the guy named L'Enfant, you know, L'Enfant Plaza, some of the names around town. He designed the city, and that's how some French cities are designed. Paris is a perfect example. The idea in Paris is that a whole bunch of streets there all crisscross diagonally. They line up, and they all point to the center of the city, which is the Eiffel Tower. So that every other street you look down, boom, there's the Eiffel Tower. So it's the same thing with the Capitol here in D.C. So that's why it was designed by a Frenchman of all people. So that is why it has such a unique layout street-wise and why no other city in America Well, that like definitely that. explains it because if you go up uh, north, uh, west there, you got like what DuPont Circle up there. Mm -hmm. I was looking at some of it on the map. I, I don't claim to know everything about the city. Oh, you know, DuPont Circle up there and all that. I'm just uh, looking at Google Maps and, you know, you've got the Foggy Bottom area down there that I've, I think I've stayed at. That's over where the Watergate Hotel is at there. Yes. Uh, then there's Georgetown. I think it's a riverfront kind of party scene, some decks to eat on. Oh, yeah. The What's, waterfront's beautiful. What is the deal with the yachts down there? Oh, I mean, I mean, the average salary of a well, person. I, mean, that's just well, I just don't know how you fit them down there. People dock their boats. Well, yeah, and I'm looking at these giant yachts, and I'm thinking, how do you even fit these down here? And I'm just picturing, like, DiCaprio, you know, throwing bills off of it like it's Wolf of Wall Street. I, I get they have the money for the yacht. It's, I guess it's there, but... Well, I guess not. Fortunately, they haven't gone the Bezos route yet of building yachts so big they have to dismantle the whole bridge just to make the yacht pass. Yeah, they're going to get to that point down here because, I mean, that, that yachts are huge down there. I'm used to my little Ohio lakes where they have, like, a, a pontoon boat with a JBL speaker, and that's, like, luxury, luxury riding right there. That's all I could ask for. I, I, I want a boat one day, and I don't want a big old fancy yacht, you know, like that James Bond-themed yacht that just sank off the coast of Greece the other day. I, <laughs> I need—I just want a boat. I just, it'll be a speedboat. It'll be a pontoon. I don't care. Did they give the captain from that Italian cruise ship a job back, and that's that's why did he sink another one the other day or something? <laughs> nah, he is still rotting in prison and probably uh, very popular with the other They gave him, like, one. two or three boats. I don't know if you ever looked into it. I watched the video that the internet historian did. Yes, he, yeah. he had captained several other boats that had accidents before. Yeah, yeah so. he had crashed, like, two or three three and they said yeah here's the uh, keys to our cruise liner you know <laughs> do one of those little nice things where you go let's trust him to go right next to the i forget what they call that where they go next to the coast there and the, the tourists hate it but yeah the know, sail by salute the cruise yeah, liners that's love right it. i did yeah. see that video as well okay enough talk about sinking fancy yachts we are here of course to talk politics that's why you guys tuned <laughs> let's in let's sink the careers of the democrats that's hell yes here. let's do it so of course as we you may have already guessed our guest here, Kyle, comes from the Buckeye State, the great state of Ohio. So, of course, you know a thing or two on the ground there about the politics there. We mentioned you briefly by name when you and I talked a little bit uh, via messenger the night of the Ohio primaries. You said, of course, uh, you did go to a Trump rally, the one for J.D. Vance, like right before the yes. primary. So, yeah, tell us a little bit uh, about that, how the candidate you met there as well. Um, I'm trying to remember what was his—I think it was Jim— that was Renacy, right? Ren yeah, yeah, the Renacy. guy who ran for governor. Yeah. I, the guy, I, he would be great as maybe like the owner of an Italian restaurant or something. <laughs> I mean, he can really play that part. Well, I think he's just a businessman. I'd always heard his commercials in Ohio. And as a truck driver and, and working in the freight industry, you, you a lot of times uh, will, will turn on the radio and you'll listen to too much talk radio to a point, especially ours has gone downhill. And that's what I proved two years ago. I mean, and everyone saw it too. I mean, our local radio, local media, it's all in one 
giant cog of iHeartMedia now. So oh boy. there's nothing good to listen to. But I would hear Jim Renacci's ads on the radio, and I thought that he had had to have won something, right? And he had – no, my brother told me that he's just a businessman, and he hasn't won anything, to my knowledge. He was he was a congressman, I believe. Do you that, think he was a congressman? He he. Let me confirm that because we'll yeah. have to look that up. Because I, uh, to my knowledge, right now, Jim Renacci was just a businessman, but he's ran several times because I've heard his ads before. Former congressman from Ohio's 16th district from 2011 so to 2019. Did. So he was, and then he was the nominee for the Senate in 2018 against Sherrod Brown, where he got crushed by, uh, yeah. crushed I guess by seven points. Because I've heard the guy's name forever. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So because that was the thing early in the primary season, because of course. It, for those of you who don't know in Ohio, the incumbent governor there is a Republican named Mike DeWine, and uh, I know you've got some which thoughts. Which just about. got Trump's endorsement the other day that I saw. His full oh endorsement. Full endorsement. The, so we'll have to get around to that because DeWine's a whole other we'll case talk about right that. there. Because let's recap the primary because the primary was interesting. Early polling suggest when it was one on one between DeWine and Renacy, polling suggested Renacy could win, and then of course ultimately it ended up being a three way race between DeWine, Renacy, and correct me if I'm wrong, Kyle, uh, your. Your preferred candidate, a guy named Joe Blystone, right? Uh, he was he was my preferred candidate right out of the rip because Joe Blystone, you know, the farmer, he's your businessman, he's your down-to-earth guy, and then you've got Mike DeWine over here wanting everyone to mask up, and he's got the Vaximilian for Ohio, which I don't know where he came up with that loony idea that in the middle of an economy going into the, at the tank, crushing an economy by all these elitist Democrats and elitist globalists and elitist rhinos crushing the economy. Here comes Mike DeWine, the conservative of Ohio, which, by the way, he added 20 cents to the diesel tax in Ohio, like uh, week one of being in. It was within his first year he did this. That's something California would do. Wow. It was huge. Yeah, that's like a big no-no in a state like that. But then you have Ohioans go, oh, well, he passed the uh, the, the carry bill, so he yeah. must be conservative. And it's like, first of all, what are we conserving? What's left to conserve? So don't even use that word for with with my uh, brain, but with when it comes to Dewine, he put uh, ten cents on your regular gas a gallon, and you know they will come out with the roads or whatever. Who will build them? Blah blah blah. Oh boy. And then twenty cents on the diesel tax. So that was already, and I was fighting that when I was uh, running my my trucking company at the time. I was already fighting the twenty cents up a, a gallon. So that was nice to to enter in on on Dewine's uh, regime there. And then that's so all of this is coming from the same guy. That, that did that. So you've got Joe Blystone and you've got Mike DeWine. Now, what I've come to find out later with Joe Blystone throughout him running, uh, he had a pretty good logo. It had the cowboy hat and everything. He was nice. pretty good campaign. Mm -hmm. He was very good at getting to the rallies. He was at two of them. So I went to the Trump rally that was in, it was one of the counties, I want to say it was one of the counties that Trump won the most in because... Going up there, it was just Trump signs everywhere, and I think we looked it up. It was one of the counties in Ohio that Trump won the most in, and that was in 2021, that rally. But I, okay. I, I want to say that was midsummer, and Blystone was there with his RV and everything and his cowboy hat, and you know he would shake hands with everyone. He was a good guy. He got to everything. But if I'm not mistaken, the word on the fairgrounds there for that rally is that Blystone was supposed to sit closer to the – section where all of the candidates sit and all of the people Trump kind of wants there. Mm -hmm. And he was supposed to have a seat there, but then they kicked him off into the regular crowd. So Blystone kind of had to stand at the front like the like the awkward redheaded stepchild or oh, something, no. you know, just sitting there doing nothing and not getting the endorsement. And Trump throughout the last two years is I was kind of surprised he even endorsed Mike DeWine after all of when Biden got in there. DeWine, you know, he just weaseled back into his turtle shell and, I, and left the scene. Because correct me if I'm wrong, Trump endorsed DeWine after the primary, right? 
He, he didn't make an endorsement during the no, primary. No, he did not do anything during the primary, right. which I expected. Mm-hmm. I was kind of hoping that he was on a warpath at this point after all of the rhinos and the people in the establishment and the, the haves versus the have-nots kind of came around in 2020 there. I was really hoping, to, uh, not DeWine, I, I hope he leaves office. I, I was hoping <laughs> Trump would go on a warpath against rhinos like that because I really feel that's what we need more than anything now. We all know the left is nuts. We have all we know what they're doing. You don't just dump 400,000 votes in the middle of the night. We don't have yeah. to get into the QAnon stuff and all of that nonsense that has taken over the, the boomer culture of, uh, of the right. I'm talking just the fact that I'm sitting there. It's 11 o'clock at night. I go, okay, Trump's got this in the bag. I, hey, I've seen it. this one before, right? Mm-hmm. Michael, Michael J. Fox meme there. And then I wake <laughs> up the next morning and they just paused the election in the middle of the night, dumped 400,000 votes. It doesn't make any sense. We all know it. They're all liars and cheats. The line on the graph, literally. Yeah. Straight. I mean, the blue line, boom, straight And up. they made up all the rules for it. Oh, we can just stop the election. Oh, we can just do all these ballots and stuff. And that's what COVID. people like DeWine were trying to do. They were never Trumpers from the start. They didn't like the fact that their little club got broken up by Trump. So here comes Mike DeWine just doing his part without actually putting anything on the surface. And then later in time, he would go on to pass now uh, which is a very pretty good bill on its face. Unfortunately, no one has been the martyr for the bill yet, which he passed the concealed carry. Right. So now if you're 21, you're eligible to own a, a gun in Ohio. There's really no other questions than that. You can conceal carry it, as the bill states, as if you had a concealed carry license, permit, handgun, CCW, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. which I don't have because I'm not going down to the sheriff's office and putting myself on that list. But that was a very good bill. Um but it's uh, stuff like that is attempts by him right before election season yep. to make you forget about all the other stuff he did where he came in and did his daily press conferences in Ohio that we all had to put up with. Kind of like Cuomo, basically. They said, oh, it'll yeah. only be two weeks. And, you know, and I want to say DeWine's one of the ones that started that because I want to say all the other governors right. were like, well, this guy's got uh, Jersey Shore of governorship going on over here. We'll hop in on it. And they started the live streaming. Uh, the older generation finally found Zoom and they finally <laughs> found the Skype calls, which we've been using forever and. Uh, Jacob's uh, wonderfully joining us tonight via Skype there. So I just think that DeWine is such a loser. I just I'm don't only... want him back. But that's our only option. It was Blystone or DeWine. Because looking back and now. And Blystone just lost his energy. Yeah, that really does suck. It sounds like it's, it's true. And he couldn't stay out of court. That was another problem. That's want to expand a little bit on that? Because I heard, I heard there were like financial problems with the Blystone yeah, campaign. Yeah, so here, and actually, <laughs> I just remembered. I interviewed the guy. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> So I met him at that rally, and then I had him on the show, and I had to call up his um, uh, his media guy or whatever. And he would seem like a pretty good guy, but he just kind of seemed like he had too much going on. And they actually ended up forgetting the interview by the time he came around because I had to schedule about three weeks out with the guy. Mm-hmm. And they, they ended up forgetting the interview, and then she said, well, you were supposed to interview? Yeah, okay. And that's a totally different person I'm dealing with now, and he – and, and God bless the man. Like, he didn't really know what Skype was, and I was told that they were going to help him get that figured out, so he had to do it on the fly. But he he came through on that, and it was a good interview, but it was kind of surface level. And that's what I was going to – that interview was going to be my determining factor whether I wanted to go on supporting the guy fully because I wanted to ask some, okay, you've given us the typical flyover state, uh, cornbread kind of – kind of answers here. So what do you think about politics? What's your solution? Well, I'm going to get in there and we're going to do this from a Ohioan standpoint. We're, we're going to get in there and I'm going to do this from a farm standpoint. Okay. What are you actually going to do? Well, right. the wine's just bad for the state and we just got to get them out of there. It's like, okay, what are you going to do? So I think Blystone would have been great in like the department of agriculture or something like that in the state. I think he's very knowledgeable on all of that. 
but there was never a chance he was going to win Columbus, and that's a big chunk. There was never a chance that was going to happen. And uh, DeWine was too busy handing out uh, vaccine bucks for everybody. Oh, God. Yeah, because I'm looking at the primary here. Because, again, remembering this when you count the primary, uh, DeWine signed that concealed carry bill, I believe, before the primary to shore up conservative support. And then Trump, you mentioned Trump didn't endorse anyone in the primary. Trump and DeWine did clash a little bit on Twitter over lockdown stuff. I think Trump did call yeah. him out like way back That's in the why day. I was surprised just the other day when I saw that he was actually going to go all in, which he has to because it's either that or— or uh, who's running against DeWine right now? Uh, Nan Whale, Nan, the, the former mayor, mayor of Dayton. Dayton. Oh, we got to talk about that later. Too. We'll come to that just a bit just to wrap up the primary here and then move on to the general election. Because uh, I'm looking at the map right now of the Republican primary. Interestingly enough, uh, DeWine did come in first, Renacy second, Blystone came in third, and another candidate named Ron Hood came in fourth with like 2% <laughs> of the— <laughs> No idea. A wow. Total also ran. Who? But, <laughs> exactly. But look at the map of Ohio. I'm courtesy of the Wikipedia page here. Blystone— Came in third. He won 21 counties. He actually won the plurality in a decent chunk of counties. Renacy only won two counties, by contrast. Of course, DeWine won the West, won the rest. And then percentage-wise, this was key. We mentioned this in our coverage. DeWine, with, in first place, ultimately got 48.1%. Renacy, 28. Blystone, 21.8. And the other guy, 2.1%. That's so right. If you it was Renacy in that race. That's, that's right. why he was at that rally. If you had consulted, even if you just combined the votes of Renacy and Blystone, that's uh, 49, that's 49.8%. You, a challenger could have beaten DeWine. That was the Trump's fear yeah. of myself and other Ohioans and people that were mad at DeWine was that this Renacy guy was going to split the vote. Well, the problem with Renacy is he's stiff as a board. Like I said, he'd be great running a nice Italian restaurant on maybe the riverfront of the Queen City or the Gem City or whatever. But not as the governor. He's one of those. He's just your typical politician, and people had enough of that with DeWine. Uh, and they wanted Blystone. They wanted someone. But Blystone had no fight in him. Blystone had no energy about him, and that's something that can't stand in this post-Trump era of politics. You've really got to be ahead of it. You've got to be out there not backing down, not apologizing. You can't be in court. You can't be on your heels. You can't be trying to play this uh, – real meek kind of appearance you know his beard was stunning but it's not enough to get you elected <laughs> yeah that's but yeah renacy did split the vote i remember reading that the next day that's right uh, renacy i think realistically very similar to uh david purdue in georgia we talked about this jacob when we recap georgia is that renacy again previously in 2018 he ran for senate and lost to sherrod brown by seven points at that point if you've lost a statewide election already you should not run for anything else again same with purdue you lost to that scrawny little pencil neck john ossoff i'm sorry you by that alone and again I i've met senator purdue he was a solid america first guy especially in immigration when you lost the statewide election already to turn around and try to run for another one especially against the incumbent republican the odds were just ever not in your favor so renacy really had no business uh maybe some magic could have happened if it was one-on-one -on -one. we'll never know unfortunately but DeWine is the Republican nominee, and you mentioned the Democrat nominee, Ugh. Nan Whaley. So I uh, want to tell us a little bit about uh, why uh, – Have kind you of ever driven through Dayton, Ohio? Have you ever had the pleasure? I have not, my friend. I, I want to oh, say – another thing. I was going to ask you to kind of give us an a overview of what Dayton is like so people kind of, <laughs> kind of know. <laughs> please. Because I've never been to Ohio. It's not anywhere anyone wants to go. It's not a vacation spot. There's nothing happening there. The convention centers are not big enough for really anything outside of maybe a furry convention. And oh. God forbid, you know, they dig up some ball pits there or something like that. So, you know, there's there's nothing in Dayton. And I keep telling people this. It can be a beautiful city. Some of the surrounding communities, we have plenty of shopping malls. It's the more civilized area of Ohio. And I don't say that with any um, malice in my time. It is. It's just there's a kind of a 90 degree. So you got Columbus in the middle. 
And if you go west on 70, or if you draw a line kind of down 71, the tri-state area, that's the more developed area. Cleveland, just, I don't know, get a saw, let it float away in the Great Lakes or whatever. But And then Toledo's a nothing burger. It's just Detroit light, basically. So Dayton kind of finds itself in this position where it's geographically good. It's at the crossroads of America, 70 and 75. But none of the buildings have been updated since, like, 1970. They haven't put any new skyscrapers on the map. Everything down there is Democrat-run. There's nobody on the streets if you drive through there. You've got uh, homeless people out there, uh, and that's about it, which I want to solve. While I was in D.C., I wanted to solve the homeless issue. I I passed one on the way out uh, to the metro from the hotel, and he said, hey, can you give me a couple extra bucks? I got smart and changed my outfit. He'd also asked me this, too, while I was turning around in the parking garages. Um... I said, well, I said, man, if I had cash on me, I, I would. Because I tried try to be generous, but I know they're all. But I thought, man, you're missing out. You really need to get like a Venmo or a cash app or something. And I think that would really solve the homeless people's problems. I here. would Venmo $15 to yeah. a homeless man. Hey, I don't have any cash on me right now because we are living in such a cashless society now, especially in a bigger city. You take a check. Yeah, well, you take a check. It's, it might bounce, but, uh, you know. But a anyway, of, a lot of them will say, well, there's an ATM right around the corner. Yeah, well, yeah, sure. Go, go pull out some money there. If you're homeless, just get a house. It's not that hard, but. Yeah, Dayton is not a place you would want to go. Now, we do have Wright-Patt uh, Air Force Base there, which puts me pretty much on the nuclear fallout on the fringes of a uh, decent-sized bomb dropped on the base there, But uh, which, God forbid, happens. I know we're living in that era where you can't make humor and sarcasm like that without uh, backing yourself up. But, yeah, Dayton's not It's not a good place. Go to Columbus is fine. Cincinnati's my favorite. If I had to pick uh, any city I'd live in Ohio, uh, go to uh, go to Cincinnati. That's not too bad, which I did. I was in downtown. I was at the Hyatt the other day in downtown Cincinnati. Uh, you know, homeless people in the lobbies of the parking garage, whatever, you know, over that. I decided I'll go on a walk over to the Kentucky line there. Beautiful part about America. We don't need papers to do that. You know, you can just cross state lines. Exactly. Uh, you know, I was surprised to see it, but uh, San Francisco has now drifted our way, as everything does. Starts in California, makes its way across the country. The feces on the sidewalk of Cincinnati. I apologize. So, as as a California, California yeah, I apologize. Yeah, you need to go out there and fix that. I'm down here fixing DC's <laughs> problems. We need to fix uh, fix California coming out. So, we used to have a mayor in Dayton. I don't know if you ever saw coverage ever, because again, it's a nothing city. It doesn't matter. Uh, they were more than excited when the, the shooting at Ned Peppers happened down there. God rest all those people. Oh, yeah. But they knew, from what I'm told, they all knew him. They all drank with the guy, and they gave him a gun. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know what's going to happen. They all knew he had problems. But that whole thing aside, down there in Dayton, when that happened, um, there was a local brewery that came out with an IPA. It's hashtag Dayton Strong was the name of the IPA because they just wanted so badly for some national attention. And it's, it's very cringy in, in Dayton. Goodness gracious. So with oh, all that the- one mayor, she wore like square and a circle glasses. The weirdest thing. <laughs> so with that being said, that mayor now running against Mike DeWine. Um, I- I'm looking at the polls here and feel free to uh, give your opinion on these, uh, Kyle. But looking at the polls, uh, courtesy of the Wikipedia page, the Real Clear Politics average DeWine up by an average margin of 15.6%. The most recent poll from tr- the Trafalgar Group, the most accurate pollster in the country, has him up 16 points, 54 to 38. So is it a foregone conclusion? Is DeWine going to ultimately win re-election comfortably? There's really nothing DeWine can do that will lose him this election. He is such a do-nothing politician, which is why those guys were, were uh, yelling at him at one of his rallies. It said, do something, do something. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of a big, and that, and Dwine backed off right after that. 
Well, after those guys did that, DeWine stopped appearing places. DeWine stopped doing public appearances. He uh, then had COVID to hide behind after that. So he was all ready to sign the papers on whatever he needed to keep him out of, of that limelight because he doesn't do well with it. There was that one video of him at the state fair. I don't know if you remember that. I think it was last year in 2021. So. Where like he like, uh, I want to say he hits a guy or threatens a guy. It's a great video. You got to watch it sometime. It's DeWine? Little, yeah, DeWine. Like, have you ever never... looked at a picture? I've, I know you have, but I'm asking your viewers, have you ever seen a picture of this guy? I can't picture this guy <laughs> intimidating yes. anybody. No, he's like the most, you know, Fran and I just sits up there and he talks <laughs> at his little podium and he's got all his little helpers around him. And the guy's like five foot nothing or something down there. And he's like old and he's just he, he's like hiding an, behind his podium. He's got those glasses like an aging uh, oh, Austin yeah, Powers. Oh, yeah, a little circle. Yeah, he looks like uh, if, if Austin Powers was like a shriveled grape or something. Like, he's just a weasel. <laughs> But that does bring up a, a thing I wanted to ask about. I mean, I, I understand that DeWine is kind of a bland character, but I remember growing up, Ohio, even the blandest of Republican characters would have never been leading by 15 percentage points in any poll. It was just that much of a swing state. Was 2016 really the turning point for Ohio where it shifted so far red, or did that start in the early 2000s? Well, Ohio is a weird state because it, it's a swing state for the reason that you just have people um, – Oh, I got to really think of a way to put this politely here and to navigate around my fellow Ohioans. But they are they, – they'll vote one way on one person and one issue, and then they'll just vote the other way on the other issue. It's really weird, or they'll get kind of caught up in just the popularity of it all. And I think DeWine finds himself in a position where, A, he's running against the mayor of Dayton, Ohio. You know, if it was Columbus mm -hmm. or Cincinnati or anything else, well, Cincinnati can't manage trolley carts, uh, so that's – no one's going to run from there. But – I just think that no one knows her outside of Dayton because outside of Dayton, no one knows anything about Dayton. I think there was a comedian once that said, uh, you know your career is terrible if Dayton is on the list uh, for your, your act. <laughs> and so I think Nan Whaley's just not known enough in the state in general. And I think if anyone was asked about Dayton, that just not enough people care. And DeWine's been out there handing out money like a corrupt politician would do. He's you know trying to get people to take this goofy jab. By handing him out, which I have not taken and refused, um, the Vaximillion, he did the the tax on fuel. It's it's hurt a lot of people, and he's also struggling to combat the opioid epidemic in Ohio, which is that's just like one of those sound good issues to people. Uh, there's yeah. there's way other ways you have to tackle that issue, but no one wants to talk about that. So right. um, I just think he's got the notoriety. I think he's got the R next to his name in Ohio. And I think enough people were upset with all the COVID lockdowns and upset with everything that's happened to Trump that they're just ready to do what I had to do when I first voted for him years ago, hold my nose, vote for R. Mm -hmm. I won't do it this year, um, but he's just— Because you know he'll win anyway. Yeah, so, he's yeah. going to win. I mean, there's nothing we can do about it. And I told this to everyone uh, with Joe Blystone. I said, he's going to win. And it's a pipe dream for someone like Blystone to get into Ohio. And then what does Blystone do? He has no one to work with. The House in Ohio, there's only about five people in the House in Ohio that are extremely based, <laughs> um, one of which was one of my representatives uh, in the House, uh, Jenna Powell, down out of that district, which I remember interviewing her. But she's kind of also an imaging politician, too. She just uh, says stuff, but there's really nothing she can get done. She did manage to get quite a bit done. She does fight a lot. She's a pretty good person to have in there. And then there's another one. I want to say his name's like Dan Vito or something like that or Vitaly or something like that. Don Vito? 
No, it's not. No, no. I think I'm getting like uh, my mobster movies, my Martin Scorsese movies here mixed up. But I think his name is Vitalio or something like that. Man who never spends enough time with his family can never be a real man. But yeah, no, that's I I get what you're saying that like, yeah, it seems like the kind of state. I mean, you look at the standard of Republicans in the state statewide, certainly you've got, of course, Mike DeWine, his predecessor. Let's not forget the the mailman's son, John Kasich, uh, the current the uh, outgoing retiring Republican senator is uh, Rob Portman, who was one of the Republicans. He's been very like anti, uh, very soft anti-Trump, I think. Like he's opposed Trump on a number of uh, issues. Yeah, I will say that of all of the swamp creatures that I've talked to around D.C., they love Rob Portman. He is their Midwestern hero. Yep. Tells you all I need to know. But as Jacob pointed out, uh, 2016 seemed to have been a huge turning point because I'm just looking back now in Ohio. The last few elections from, say, the year 2000 up to 2012, the margins were always pretty close, usually between over 2% to 5%. Trump comes in like a wrecking ball in 2016, beats Hillary by eight points, then repeats that margin against Biden four years later, even though he lost the election, quote unquote, which and looking back. Trump's victory in 2016 and 2020 was the largest margin for any presidential candidate in Ohio since Bush Sr., Daddy Bush, Grandpappy Bush, in 1988. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah, even, Clint, even Clinton. No, no one else had won it by that much. So with that in mind, and yeah, in 2014, a bad year overall for Republicans. DeWine was elected to succeed Kasich. And that brings us, of course, to the most important election in Ohio. Definitely wanted your thoughts on this, Kyle. Of course, the Senate election. We've got the yeah. based hillbilly man, my favorite candidate running for anything this year, author of Hillbilly Elegy, J.D. Vance, won the Republican nomination purely with Trump's endorsement. He was in like third or fourth place in most polling averages until Trump came out and endorsed him. Boom, skyrockets up to first, wins a nomination in a landslide. And we, of course, we have to talk about this race. We also have to talk about J.D. Vance's opponent, Tim Ryan, Congressman Tim Ryan. Uh, Kyle, you actually said something. You, you had been talking to your brother the other day about the election uh, between Ryan and Vance and something interesting about Ryan, uh, how he's uh, promoting himself, how he's marketing himself, right? Yeah, so from what I'm told, because he was telling me he was listening to some advertisements for Tim Ryan – from what I was told, Tim Ryan is trying to basically go out there and say, hey, I'm your local guy down at your local bar throwing darts on the wall saying, yeah, Trump's awesome, everybody. You know, well, I don't really like the man, but his policies are pretty good. And he's trying to come off as that guy. And here's J.D. Vance, which you seem to really – I don't know much about him other than I started to really remember because my brother's kind of on a warpath, uh, not against J.D. Vance, but he really just doesn't trust the guy. To hold that's, him to account, basically. That's one of big the biggest problems J.D. Vance has, and I will say Trump's endorsement has been absolutely crucial for candidates this year to yes. make sure that they get that behind him uh, or, or her who's ever running. So with J.D. Vance, he basically got on stage because we were at the rally. This is the first time we had got to discuss it. Someone handed me a sticker. I said, yeah, I'll wear your sticker. And this I was the rally there. like... Uh, Delaware, Ohio. Yeah, yeah, about yeah. like two weeks before the primary. So yes. crucial, crucial yeah. crunch time. It was a big rally. Really, a lot of people were either skeptical of J.D. Vance because of his past comments, which I did not know of until he brought those up to me. And I said, I just don't... I don't think that's true. I just... I couldn't believe it. So I looked into it, and it does, on surface level, his comments are pretty rough, in 2016, and yeah. There's a lot yeah. of people that are burnt out from rhinos, from never Trumpers hiding in the shadows, from people using the MAGA magic, the meme magic, the dragon energy, as Kanye would say, the great ye. There's a lot of people burn out <laughs> from dealing with that, and they can't trust him anymore after the uh, the traitorous actions of Mike Pence um, and everything that went down there. And to the fact that I'd see a lot of signs where people were scratching Pence out of the name, but keeping yep. the MAGA energy going. 
And here comes J.D. Vance onto the stage, and Trump just flat out had to say at the rally. Yes. He said he said a lot of, well, I, I don't want to use the word on this show, but, you know, you know how Trump is. Yes. He tries to keep the crowd happy and get them roaring every once in a while. He said a lot of bad things about me. But if I didn't, uh, if I if I endorsed people based on what they said about me, I wouldn't have a lot of people left to endorse. So exactly, that's kind of what he said on stage, and everyone, yeah, hey, there's Mike Lindell, you know, and he was there. I was about ten feet from the the pillow guy, the base Best pillow part merchant. of the entire rally was Mike Lindell, what a legend. Up there. and his legendary mustache. Do not oh, forget that thing is just it's, it's even better. And I do want to say something about I do want to say something about his previous comments. Um, he made those comments at a time where he was kind of fresh out of the Ivy League still. So the further he gets away from that time, wise from the Ivy Leagues, the more and more he's going to start to blend in with people who are like the areas that he grew up with. Because if you go, if you, like if you grow up in Ohio and then you go to Harvard or Yale or wherever, for a few years you're still going to have those toxins in your body and your system after you graduate. So it's very true. Kind of I mean, you make a great point the there. Because a lot of today's society, a lot of people just don't have a backbone, so they kind of start blending in with whatever crowd they're around or wherever they go, and then they kind of come back down to earth. And there's two things that can happen in the case of J.D. Vance. He said those comments uh, when Trump was originally running, thinking, ah, whatever, this guy's a blowhard billionaire, who cares? And um, now he's seeing the light, and now he's really finding out what he believes, which is, I hope, the case, because it looks like he's going to win. It looks like the Trump endorsement's working for him. But the other fear that Trump voters have is, do we get another rhino in there that's hiding in the shadows? And when 2024 comes and, and Trump possibly announces, which I hope he does, I hope he's still got the energy to do it, um, is, is they going to get him elected or are they going to stab him in the back in 2024 and do everything that they can? And this was a, a concerted effort in 2020, not just from senators, not just from elitists, not from the alphabet boys and all the departments there. This was governors and everybody got in on this. Everyone that could find a little part to stab Trump in the back and get him out so he can go back to politics as usual did it. And that's why Ohioans uh, are, are very concerned about it. And they're the same people that when Trump was running um, still voted for John Kasich Ugh. in the primaries just so they could go, hey, that's us. Oh, H, you know, and that's, that's all our they guy. Get. Yep. Yeah. And some guy, in a, you know, drunk of the, oh, and that's that's how that works. The favorite sons candidate, yeah. as they're called. Yeah, yeah. You run for a state just so and you then know they all voted for Trump. Exactly. Afterwards when they saw yeah. the light that like Trump eats a burger better than Kasich. <laughs> Well, and, uh, eater. and that's why but that's and that's why it's so important as you mentioned when trump issued his statement for jd vance his endorsement statement it was not the cookie cutter endorsement you know he'll be great on crime he'll be great on the border yeah. you know he'll put america first it wasn't that he acknowledged in the endorsement statement jd vance may have said some bad things about me in the past but he gets it now he acknowledged it that because that was the only it was the elephant in the room but it was the only problem people had with vance his policies were great there was that one famous primary debate with he with a Four other Republican rivals, they were asked the question. Of course, the Ukraine was still kind of popping off at this point. The moderator asked, oh, how many of you support a no-fly zone over Ukraine? Four of them raised their hands. J.D. Vance is the one who doesn't raise his hand as a, as a Marine veteran himself. He raises his hand for, I don't support a no-fly zone. He's like, you guys do know what that means, right? I have a feeling that people of Ohio don't really know what that means. If you explain it to them that, oh, it means we, the Americans, and NATO, NATO, which is basically us, as Trump said, we have to— impose a restriction over Ukrainian airspace. And if a single Russian aircraft flies over Ukraine, we have to shoot it down. Boom, that means we're at war with Russia now. Congratulations. So he had to kind of throw that cold water on the neocons and say, hey, am I the only one with common sense here? So solid on foreign policy, solid certainly on immigration, on trade. 
the only problem people had with him was the anti-Trump comments in 2016, which he himself acknowledged and apologized for. And the moment Trump himself comes out and endorses J.D. Vance, that whole point is moot. Like if Trump is willing to endorse him acknowledging it, then there's no problem there. So uh, again, he won the nomination in a landslide with that. And I'm glad you said that you, know, you seem to believe he will ultimately win. I'm, I'm hoping, well, yeah, I know he will ultimately win, but I'm yeah. hoping, um, I don't know, what, what is it, Tim, you said Tim Ryan, yeah. Tim Ryan. I, I <laughs> Sometimes with Ohio, it's weird, because like then people go, hey, I went to school with Tim Ryan. Yeah, yeah, I'll vote for him. You know, it, it's just weird. And some days they'll be up in arms over Mike DeWine or whatever, but they just won't do anything. And what J.D. Vance needs to do to really win them over is show action. And I don't know what scandalous things he's gone up to uh, or against yet. I don't know what they've thrown at him yet. I have not tuned in. I've really unplugged the last two years. I took a big break from social media and everything. And by the way, if Trump can get people to join truth, then he can definitely get people to vote for this guy. Right. His endorsement means that much. Mm -hmm. And I'm on a mission to roast truth on truth social to changing their name. That just, uh, it's not, I, I know, <laughs> it's, I know, it's pretty ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I, I know Elon Musk said, especially he was like, truth yeah. social, by the way, which is a terrible. He said it should platform. be called trumpet. <gasps> That's, That's what I, That's tr perfect. T-R-U-M-P-I-T yeah. as one word. Yeah. Trumpet. Yeah, trumpet. That would have, that would have trumpet, you know, legendary. trumpet. Oh my God. And it yeah. sounds good. I wonder whose idea that was to come up with Truth, Truth Social as the name. Uh, yeah. Some, you know, uh, toilet paper USA intern or oh, something, you ouch. know, saying like, <laughs> ouch. You know, I think the truth, uh, conservatism, and all that. And, uh, socialism, bad. Yeah. Like, <laughs> let's be honest, though. Do most conservative alternatives have solid names? You've got Gab, you've got Getter, Parler. Oh, I forgot I'm in DC. I don't know if I uh, can call them that down here. <laughs> uh, yeah, we. we uh, Oh goodness! Well, you're you're well, it's okay. You get a pass. You're I'm our Ohio. You're yeah. our guest. I disavow, folks. I disavow. You're yes, our guest. Um, I have been admonished. No, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. You you speak your truth here, King. Um, yeah, but, truth social. <laughs> but getting back to the topic here, because you're convinced JD Vance will win. If you go to the polls, of course, this is the thing that the mainstream media loves. Oh, JD Vance could be in danger in pro-Trump Ohio. You look at Wikipedia, and yeah, the majority of polls suggest Tim Ryan will win. However, Wikipedia is fair about this. They always note if a poll is you know, pro-Republican or pro-Democrat. If it's sponsored by a left-wing group, they have a D or an R next to it. So you look at some of these polls. Two polls by Impact Research. D, uh, sponsored by Tim Ryan's campaign. Throw it in the trash. Uh, three polls by Grow Progress, sponsored by Innovation Ohio. D, left-wing group. Polls. You have six polls here from Kurt Jetta, which is a poll sponsored by Center Street PAC, a PAC that says, we support centrist candidates and oppose extremists, which means they hate Republicans. So they're against J.D. Vance. That poll yeah. says that J.D. Vance is going any, Anytime you hear the word centrist, just go ahead and disregard left liberal garbage can. Know your place, trash. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So look at the few polls that matter, the actually reputable polls, the polls of merit that have a reputation for a reason. Suffolk University, J.D. Vance up by three. Emerson College, J.D. Vance up by three. Most recent poll from, again, Trafalgar, the most accurate pollster in the country, J.D. Vance up by five. I just don't see, in a, in a state that voted for Trump twice by eight points, in a state where DeWine could now win by 15 or 16 points in the same year, I don't see J.D. Vance losing. Tim Ryan is a strong Democratic candidate. Yes, he is the best person they could have nominated. He's not a Bernie-endorsed black nationalist like Nina Turner. You know, he's not a crazy progressive. But... He knows the score, and he knows, if nothing else, he knows he has to lie to the voters of Ohio. As you hinted at, Kyle, we actually have a clip here that's relevant. This is an interview Tim Ryan did with CNN recently on that very subject. 
You don't advertise that you're a Democrat. Is that because it's an implicit recognition that it's a liability here? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the Democratic brand, as we know, and you and I have talked about this for a long time, is, is not good in a lot of these places. Then why are you running as a, I, why are you a Democrat? He's literally leaving yeah, the word well, Democrat. You know, it kind of sucks being over here. I don't want to tell anyone about I'm a Democrat, but like I'm running as one. It's embarrassing. Like, uh, just go ahead and say, you know what? Uh, we're out of the Democrats. I'm joining J.D. Vance. I'm, I, Tim Ryan now endorses J.D. Vance. That's what he should be doing because you're not going to win. And that's really low energy. That's. It's absolutely lame. Like, all J.D. Vance needs to do, again, I can't wait for a debate between these guys. You know there's probably going to be. Although these days a lot of Democrats seem to be backing out of debates, whether it's Raphael Warnock or John Fetterman. They really don't want to debate their opponents because they know they would lose. All J.D. Vance has to do is not even talk about the fact you're a Democrat. Ask him to answer for some of the stuff he said on the campaign trail. Because don't remember, don't forget, Tim Ryan was one of the 527 candidates who ran for president as a Democrat in 2020. He ran for all about five minutes, but he was on the debate stage, and he suddenly went hard left. Yeah, I support health care for illegal aliens. Uh, yeah, open border, like all this stuff. He went all in on the progressive agenda out of nowhere after decades of being moderate, working-class guy. He challenged Nancy Pelosi for being House Minority Leader in the aftermath of the 2016 election. He famously, alongside Bernie, said after 2016... You know, I represent the white working class, and the Democrats have forgotten the people I represent. Where did that Tim Ryan go? He vanished for five minutes. He put on a mask when he ran for president, and now he's back to being moderate again. J.D. Vance just needs to call him out on that, and he'll win easily, I think. That's the problem with Ohio, and you made a good point there, with the, the working class. Um, this is no longer the day and age of you disagree politically should you unionize or not unionize tax cuts or no tax cuts but you're all still sharing a nice thanksgiving dinner together as a family this is the day and age of ideology versus ideology and the two of them cannot compete in the same space one of them has to give as bing crosby would say something's got to give right it can't be existing in the same space and so when you have guys like that out there saying well you know the democratic image is not great or whatever it's not about image anymore it's about the fact that your ideology and the side that the democrats they, they don't care about the white working class anymore of they're off not. on their their weird um you know social justice journeys right now it really has nothing to even do with politics it's just ideology that's bad for the world bad for the country and this guy's over here trying to say well we can just kind of manage a brand war here ohioans though Remember those times. Ohioans are very much like that. Their jobs and their unions and everything like that. There, a lot of industry left Ohio. Northeast Ohio, a lot of industry left out of there. A lot of plants were closed down. A lot of bad things happened to many people in Ohio because of industry. They are very simple, nice people. They just they hear stuff like that and they go, well, you know, the old school Democrats or whatever. They'll vote for one. And Blue so he can kind of weasel his way and then kind of tell them. You know, the Democrat image is bad because of all the social justice stuff. Ohioans might go, oh, he's got a point. He's an old school Democrat, and he likes some of Trump's policies. No more mean tweets. Yeah, maybe I'll vote for him. But I just think and Trump's endorsement is going to mean more. Yeah, that's the thing with a lot of yellow dog Democrats is they don't want to abandon. They don't want to accept the fact that a lot of their party was like this all along, even back whenever they were in the dark. Yeah, I mean, it's just been a trend. That's the problem. The biggest thing they have over us, and this is just the plain truth, they seem to be able to rally behind anyone. I mean, Fetterman, for goodness sakes. <laughs> they can rally behind Joe Biden. Guy can't put two words together. You know, he wouldn't know up from down, and they all rally behind him. And he's a hero, and he's amazing. And here comes the queen, God bless her majesty, and, you know, 
uh, may she rest in peace. I don't know how the British or the formalities of how to say that. The queen is dead. Uh, long live the king. Yeah, long live the king. King Charles the Third. Everybody. You know what was it? The day before she died. Here's Biden in the White House blabbering on about oh great Obama is and all of that. The great Obama, uh, Obama folks. He was he is a pretty big guy back in the day and like he's still we're still going on about Obama first of all. But he puts out a tweet saying Obama is the most courageous. Blah blah blah. Whatever. Totally disconnected. No one cares. That's the kind of people they'll they'll still rally behind. Candidates yep. like that. The liberals will put themselves behind whoever they can to to beat us, and we will not do it. We won't rally behind our own. It, it's it's very tough. We have a lot of splits, and that is one thing they have over us. Because we've got principles, as it yeah, were. That's yeah. literally what we talked about in the last episode. Is that you have? I mean, and not we are law abiding. Exactly. <laughs> we're 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 better than them. We don't want to be like them. Which is why, of course, we lose because we're not willing to fight on yep. the same terms and use the same weapons they do. And that that was the subject of our last episode, where we talked about not for reason of principles, obviously, but Mitch McConnell, out of his own ego and his desire to stay leader, even if it's still minority leader, he's willing to sabotage candidates like Blake Masters in Arizona and Kelly Shabaka in Arizona and Alaska, excuse me, because they have vowed to oppose his leadership. He's prepared to sink a possible majority just so he can stay in power. But he turns around and he thinks that he can trust candidates like Oz and uh, Herschel Walker in Georgia. But with that said, we've hinted at it enough. We've talked about Fetterman. We've talked about Oz. Real quick, so Kyle, your verdict on uh, J.D. Vance versus Tim Ryan, you think, uh, I think you and I will probably agree, it looks like it'll be close, but Vance probably pulls it out, right? I think it's going to be very close unless he gets my endorsement. And as the former humble uh, host of the Troy Show, uh, <laughs> I say J.D. Vance can can take it. I think he's going to take it. I think Ohio's still going to go red. Mm -hmm. I don't see Tim Ryan pulling out unless there's some weird sleazy last minute stuff at the polls. Hollywood access tape. or Which or, yeah. is what DeWine did in 2020. Um, where he did the last minute change, oh, the, the, the eleventh hour the ballot stuff decision yeah. change. Because I I experienced it. I know a lot of other people in the community that I was in experienced it, and they were all telling me that they went to bed thinking they were going to vote tomorrow, mm. and everything was fine. And and this is a red state. Of course we can go vote. And then the next day they woke up and it was changed, and they couldn't vote. And then they were doing all this other stuff. But you could still go stand in line at Lowe's as long as you had your, and I know that's a typical talking point, but you could. You could go stand at line, take your pick anywhere as long as you had your mask or whatever. Um, and, but you couldn't vote. And so DeWine did the 11th hour there. So bearing or barring that there's any of that stuff going on. Um, barring voter like, fraud and yeah. barring some big scandal for Vance. Something we yeah. have not fixed on our side yet, mm -hmm. despite as many um, films that come out about it or whatever and all the evidence that's come out about it. Putting aside some of it that is a little bit, okay, you're reaching the Kraken lady and all of that. Um, <laughs> yeah, putting that aside, barring we do something or don't do something about it, uh, I think he'll pull it out. All right, good to hear. Because again, oh, I ahead. did have a question about Vance because one thing that was a little bit confusing was the fact that he didn't seem to have as much name recognition in Ohio as he did throughout the rest of the country during the primary. When Hillbilly Elegy came out, I believe it uh, was it 2015 or 2016. It, it was 20, It was out. 2016 during the election. 2016. When when that book came out, being in Ohio, how popular was it? How many people I've in never, Ohio? Never never heard of it. Um, and I'm not saying that I am the the reference point on that. If I haven't heard of it, then no one's heard of it. I am Ohio. Uh, yeah. I well, I mean, I basically was. You know, I mean, I owned a town for a little bit at least, so I at least have that credit. Um, but. I know Eric mentioned the book to me, and I immediately thought to myself, well, J.D. Vance, I, I saw him. I saw him at the rally at that point. I thought, uh, I mean, what's so hillbilly about this guy? Why is he writing a book about hillbilly elegy? What does that even mean? I still have yet to read it. I need to. Uh, but he just doesn't 
come off as an Ohioan in a way, which I guess might be a good thing, might not. I don't know how that's going to work for him. I think he did spend some of his childhood well, in Kentucky, I believe. Yeah, he's ping ponged around. Yeah, he's a little from bit. Kentucky originally, but that was kind of that was kind of the point of the book. He was he was a hillbilly who got educated, went to an Ivy League school, and basically became sophisticated and educated, which it was a huge success in the D.C. area. It was it was massively popular in 2016, and I was thinking as I listened to this on audiobook, I was thinking to myself, I remember thinking, I imagine people in Ohio are immensely proud of this guy. This is a native son who went off and made good for himself. And so when he was running in the primary, I was thinking Ohioans are just going to eat this guy up. Josh Mandel has no chance. He's going to blow Mandel out by 15 points. And then when I was looking at the polls, I was thinking to myself, wait a minute. I wonder if people in Ohio, if he didn't actually market this book to his people in Ohio and that, I think that was his biggest downfall is he ate up the fame and the popularity on the coast and among the elites, but he never actually sold the book to his own people in Kentucky and Ohio, Mm. because it's actually a success story. And it shows how someone who comes from the backwater America can make good for themselves and succeed with the very best. Yeah. I mean, you would think on, on, again, on the surface, that would be great. Um, Ohioans really, don't leave their communities. Uh, they go on vacations. They travel a little bit and whatnot. But really, most of them are – they just don't care about that, I guess. I mean, it's great. They would be very supportive of it. I could see that. They could be very proud of it. But they're usually more focused on did you say the Ohio State or the Ohio State University. So, mm. I mean, we'll see. I, I just – I'd never heard of them. I'd never heard anyone talk about the book. I didn't know it was, it was written that long ago. Um, especially right around a time where he was probably making those comments. Um, That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. So Shoot. probably if anyone did hear of it or had any energy form or liked his book, they probably kind of just disregarded it after those comments there. Mm-hmm. But I'm told from you and, and some other people that it's got a lot of great stuff in it. It's just, will he act on it if he gets elected? That's a very good point. And yeah, like you said, like Jacob said, we mentioned it before that he should have run away with the nomination the moment he entered the race by virtue of the book. But again, the fact that he struggled, he was third, fourth place in the polling. I think we can agree, as you said before, what the final verdict, his performance in the election, presuming he wins, which he most likely will, will be for the same reason he won the primary, the endorsement of Donald Trump. Had it not been for that, the nominee would probably have been Josh Mandel. And that needs to be the reminder and uh, the, the focus of all of these people that are getting it. And I think he's, what, 15 for 15 in the uh, Senate races? Senate he's perfect, races. Yeah, 100% yeah. in the Senate That needs races. to be the reminder of who gave them that seat. And yes. hopefully this time, who can take it away uh, if they get out of line? Like, you know, cross Sad. the Rubicon, Don. Let's do something this Thanks. time. That's right. And that's why, as we've hinted, we are the main topic, the really thing we wanted to talk about here. Great talking about Ohio from someone who is from Ohio and knows about it from on the ground. But you mentioned this, Kyle. You when we were prepping for this episode, you went out of your way to mention we've gotta talk Oz. Dr. Folks. Oz. Dr. Folks. Oz. Another incredible voice. We mentioned Fetterman, the clown running as a Democrat there. We mentioned <laughs> Oz. The perfect, the best example of someone carried over, literally picked up and carried over the finish line by Trump's endorsement is Dr. Oz. We've we've mentioned it before on the show in past episodes, but have never had this discussion fully. Let's have it out here because, Jacob, you and I, I believe we disagree quite strongly on the candidacy of Dr. Mehmet Oz. What say you, my friend? I haven't really changed my opinion at all on Dr. Oz before um, since the primary. In fact, doing um, just the little bit that I've followed his candidacy since then has just confirmed that he is in way over his head. He has no business running for office. He should have never thrown his hat in the ring. 
and he doesn't really know what his lane is. And it, part of it is because he's not from Pennsylvania. Like he literally just bought a house this year. He had declared his candidacy before he bought a house. So honestly, there isn't any, none of the attacks that Fetterman has made against Oz have been below the belt. None of the attacks that Fetterman and the Democrats have made against Oz have been false. And honestly, if I was running the communications wing of Fetterman's campaign, I, I would be doing the exact same thing that his comms people are doing. I mean, everything that they're throwing at Oz is true and it's sticking. And the problem that Oz has primarily is he doesn't know how to adapt to the new Republican Party because the Republican Party is still in the process of transitioning away from the big business, you know, the, the cigar Street, smoking big business, Chamber of Commerce. Wall Street people. Yeah to the, the white working class party. And in the Midwest, that's especially poignant because the people that Dr. Oz needs to win over are the people who voted for Obama twice. And those people are blue collar workers. The people that Dr. Oz is going to have more difficulty winning over are people in his class. Now, there is a lane that he could have tried to run. He, sh he should have understood, okay, if I'm going to win, I need to be like Trump and understand that I'm not going to connect with the working class as if I were one of them. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to connect to the world with the working class the way Trump did in that Trump never pretended to be blue collar. No. Like he never, you never saw Trump go into a grocery store and trying to buy vegetables because <sighs> his wife wanted to make, what is it? Crudités. I had never even heard of that word. And apparently, I had, honestly, honest to goodness, I didn't know what that word meant when I read about it. I had to Google it. Yeah. And it's apparently a f another fancy French word for hors d'oeuvres. And that's another thing that, you know, the people who are looking at inflation, they don't, eat that stuff or even make that stuff. And it turns out that, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of the more elitist types are like, well, the stuff that he bought, that's not even what you put in creatates anyway. So, well, and especially kind of apparently, on his face. apparently the term in Pennsylvania, basically they just call it veggie trays, you know, what he was looking for. And that's for. what Fetterman yeah. said. He's like, Fetterman said, yeah, normal people, we call these veggie plates. And that's what prompted the, yeah. the lady who works with Oz to say, well, if Fetterman had ever eaten a vegetable in his life, then he wouldn't be having a stroke, which is that's, pretty, pretty funny. That was pretty but, savage. Yeah. But moving on to the policy positions, Dr. Oz has absolutely exactly zero policy solutions for any of the problems that he brings up. I haven't. If you if you uh, take a purview of his website, he doesn't go into detail on anything. He gives uh, basically a three sentence blob on each policy position. And I mean, honestly, any intern could have written that. It, it doesn't really – it's very vague on everything. Oh, and another thing. He claims on his pro-life – I think he gives a total of two sentences on his position on life, and he was recently asked, will you criminalize abortion for mothers or abortion doctors? And he said no. Oh, but he's 100 percent pro-life. And he's going to protect life. I mean, to okay. be fair. How do you protect yeah. life if you're not going to put doctors in jail? I mean, to be fair, though, is is it a fair point to say that if we go all in on criminalize the women, isn't that a bit much that might turn people off? He's not willing to criminalize the doctors. He's not willing to put the doctors in jail. So if you don't have it's kind of like marijuana, you know, people say, well, I'm against marijuana, but I want to decriminalize marijuana. Okay, so you're for marijuana. Like, you can't have it both ways. It's one or the other. And that's just one issue. I mean, there's a, there's a whole – pretty much every single issue he doesn't have a concrete position on how to fix. Oh, and one last thing, and then before I turn it back over to you, is on the pandemic, his, on his COVID policy. Mm -hmm. He was – one line on his website is uh, people who have yards were dictating to people who don't have yards that they have to stay indoors during the pandemic. I'm thinking to myself, how out of touch do you have to be? No, no, no. It was people – 
who don't have yards, who are dictating to the people in the suburbs and the, at the edges of the city who do have yards that they can't go outside and enjoy their yards. It's the people who live in high-rise condos, the coastal elites who don't have front yards who are making these policies. So it, his issue, his main problem is he does not know how to find his, his where he is culturally, and he doesn't know how to pick a lane. He should have taken the Trump route where he embraces his own elitism, and he makes no bones about being an elitist. And he basically makes the case to the working class that he will be their elitist, but at the same time, he connects culturally to the suburban voters and the other elites who are kind of centrist. Maybe they voted for Trump in 2016 and then voted for Biden in 2020. That should have been his lane, but he he's not. He doesn't really know how to. And he's terrible at social media. That's another thing. Fetterman is just killing him on social media. Well, that's the whole problem, and it never works, and it never will, and it never has, and that's why Trump won, and all of these other. Nothings that have come and gone who have come out and said, hey, look at me. I'm eating uh, your favorite meal just like you. And I know how it feels and how it concerns the family at the dinner table, as Biden always says. And, uh, you know, $20 less a month on fuel is going to be a huge breathing room for the middle class or 100 bucks or whatever he said. And that's just uh, peanuts with the prices right now. Those type of guys that come out there and say, look at me, I'm buying celery just like you off of a store looking awkward doing it. It's never going to work. Trump came out and said, yeah, I'm rich. Everything's plated in gold. My father gave me a small loan of a million dollars, which is incredibly small for the scale of what Trump was doing to what and he where built he took it. it. What he, yeah, he made it a multi I mean, look at these football dollar. players that I'm not trying to make the point uh, a lot of people do here. I'm trying to say, look at people. I take football players. Take anyone that makes a lot of money, I guess. Yep. Look what they do with it. They can either squander it and they have nothing. Uh, there's a basketball player. I forget what his name is. Famous. He was uh, on the Lakers played with all the greats, um, and he's on the street. He's homeless. He's on the street, and people will make YouTube videos of him uh, in his homeless situation now. So those type of people that don't come out and embrace it, and I was just rambling about the small little million dollars. It's not small <laughs> in that business, um, or it is small in that business, but those people that don't come out and just embrace who they are and run as they are and run as genuine people with all of their rights and all of their wrongs unveiled like Trump did – are not going to win it. And I, I remember when I heard Dr. Oz was announced, I thought that the guy that my mom watched on TV, like he even has a show. And then I heard his show was ending. I don't know if it was being canceled or what. He was fairly based on his show when it came to medical stuff. I right. mean, he really does capture the people of, of my mother, God bless her, um, that, that were watching that. They do kind of align with Oz uh, with their Trump beliefs and their medical beliefs and all that. So he he does have a chance there, but he's really going to struggle if he doesn't live in the state. And sure. then you have Fetterman that uh, he is a three sentence blob. So sure. and there's and so to counter to a bunch of these points because uh, Jacob made a lot of good points and understandably. And again, let me fill you in a little bit more here, Kyle, because we've talked about this on the show. But the reason why Dr. Oz is running in the first place, Pennsylvania is such a mess. This is again, this is a Republican held seat. The outgoing Repo retiring Republican is Pat Toomey. One of the Republicans who voted in favor of Trump's second impeachment, by the way. So bye, Felicia. We won't be missing you. But get him out. Take his coat. Get him out. This is widely seen as the Republican seat most likely to flip blue in November. So we got to hold this seat, folks. If we can't hold Pennsylvania, you know, things will fall apart. So the, the at the very start of the primary season, the original front runner was a guy named Sean Parnell. You remember that name, uh, Kyle? No. Okay. That's okay. It, Fairly, Pennsylvania. I've been there once, yeah. maybe twice in my lifetime, sure. and I'm right next to it. Fairly, state. fairly niche, fairly niche. So he's a former army vet. Uh, he's an army veteran and author who previously ran for the uh, 17th congressional district or 
uh, yeah, excuse me, yeah, 17th district in 2020, in a special election there um, with the uh, resignation of the previous Republican. It was a very famous seat that ultimately went to the Democrat, a guy named Connor Lamb, a really moderate blue dog Democrat, barely won it. And then he ultimately won, ran again in the uh, general election Parnell did, and he lost in a rematch there against uh, Connor Lamb. So ultimately, he, he had built very much a name for himself. He spoke uh, at the Republican National Convention in 2020. He had become kind of a superstar in Pennsylvania politics, unapologetically pro-Trump, America First MAGA guy. He was the front runner for the nomination. And then things changed very, very suddenly. Apparently, he had some uh, marital issues. His wife divorced uh. him and uh, took custody of the kids. She basically won custody of the kids, and that uh, he announced that he was dropping out of the Senate race because he wanted to be able to spend more time with his kids now that uh, he's not going to be able to see I them. I get office. that. I understand that. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. But he was the clear frontrunner. He had Trump's endorsement. No one else was challenging him. He dropped out. He left behind a tornado in his wake, right? He left behind a complete you know, mess of a primary field. There was really nobody running. So several more candidates jumped in, including the two frontrunners in the primary at that point, who were Dr. Oz and a guy named David McCormick, the former CEO of a hedge fund who also definitely had a very spotty record as, as very much as a rhino in every way and sense of the word. He was, he's all for open borders. He's all for amnesty. He had a history of doing business with China while he was uh, the CEO of, while he was his head fund manager. And he was also critical of January 6th. He basically condemned Trump after January 6th. He blamed Trump for January 6th and said, the GOP needs to move on from the divisiveness of the last four years of which Trump was for which Trump was responsible. So total anti-Trumper, not to be trusted. Uh, I cited this to Jacob. I showed this to Jacob in my arguments for Oz way back when during the primary. Ned Ryan wrote a great article for American Greatness making this case for why Trump was right to endorse Oz over McCormick. I'll put a link to that in the description below. Oz, it just made sense. As a celebrity, as a friend of President Trump, he was someone who vouched for Trump's physical health. When people were saying, oh, Trump's Trump's fat, he's unhealthy, he's, <laughs> he's not fit to be president physically, Oz, you know, vouched for his health and said he supported him. And also with the platform of his show, a very famous show, of course, right alongside other shows like Dr. Phil or The Oprah Winfrey Show, he famously, uh, on COVID-19, this is something a coworker of mine pointed out, he never went all in on the lockdowns. He was never frothing at the mouth, shut everything down, get everyone vaccinated now. He was more just kind of a do your own thing. You know, I'm not going to force it one way or the other on you. As a doctor, he, that, that was pretty powerful. He could have easily, with all the pressure from his celebrity friends, his Hollywood friends, gone all in on shut everything down now because the government says so. He didn't do that. So he was always solid. He was always pro-Trump, solid on that issue. Certainly on other issues, yeah, he's either very paper thin or just not there at all. But what I'm looking at is how he runs his campaign. Yeah, Jacob, like you said, he could be he could op be open about the fact he's an elitist. He could own his celebrity status and run anyway, saying, I'm still going to support you. I may not be like you, but I'll support you. Or he could run like Trump in the other way, and that's being just a bulldog. He could be as combative as possible. And I've been seeing that from Oz recently. These were a few points I wanted to hit. You mentioned, Jacob, of course, that amazing comment from a campaign aide for Oz who said uh, um, if Fetterman ate a vegetable every now and then, he wouldn't have had a stroke. Fetterman, of course, had a stroke right before the primary. He was already the front runner, so he easily won. He actually he ran against Connor Lamb. Connor Lamb ran for the nomination and got crushed by Fetterman. Can Fetterman squat 225? It always looks like his lower legs are like suing his upper body for support. Like <laughs> he always got his hoodie on, crouched around. It's not good. Because the guy is like seven feet tall. He's huge. Yeah, he's huge. Yeah, he's, he's a giant. He's a mountain of a man. Uh, but yeah, no. So and you had a complete contrast there between Fetterman and Lamb. Lamb is this moderate blue dog Democrat, you know, like old school Kennedy Democrat. 
who lost to Fetterman, who's endorsed by Bernie, you know, uh, is supportive of more socialist measures. He is far left on a lot of things. So that right there was a big issue that in a swing state like Pennsylvania, this hard left guy is now the nominee. But Oz is going after him. It's not just that campaign aide. Of course, it was a campaign aide. It was not Oz himself. But Oz didn't disavow that campaign ad. He, he, aide who said that. He didn't you know, d- you know, fire her or anything. He continued doubling down. He has continued, as a doctor, attacking Fetterman. Because, of course, he had that stroke. He was off the campaign tra- trail for quite a while, which is why you said, Jacob, you know, or why you said, Kyle, he's been killing him on social media because that's all Fetterman can do. He's basically like Biden at this point. He's campaigning from his basement because he can't get out there. His brain is fried and you need all the proof. Here's just a, I want to play two clips here. This is all the proof you need that Fetterman, he's out there walking <laughs> about, you know, on those legs that are suing the rest of his body for support. <laughs> but when you listen to him speak and knowing that he has had a stroke, you can hear it. Here's one example is wrong with demanding for an easy, safe kind of their income in this. Oh, so that's that's one clip, just the stuttering and, and the slurring. Here's another even cringier example. It gets it gets worse for this guy. What is wrong with demanding for an easy, safe kind of their income a path to a safe place for them to win or excuse me to to work oh i've only (laughs) i've only seen a few clips of this guy because like i said i unplugged for like two years and now i'm starting to ramp things back up things are more exciting now the elections around the corner blah 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 so we have have a chance again um but I, I, that's the first I've really got to just listen to him, you know, through the cans in just kind of a moment of silence for him. And what is the liberals and the left's? I, I, I got to stop using that. It is right and left at this point. Yeah. Um, but what is the left's obsession with just running like completely unhealthy, completely degenerating candidates? I mean, I don't understand. Or cackling ones that can't answer a question straight without going into some kind of sadistic laughter or they're falling into a, a van as they try and get into it, as Hillary was seen on video all those years ago, she was just chilling in Cedar Rapids, you know, oh. falling all over the van, looking terrible. And what is their obsession with backing these candidates? And then what is their obsession with um, with with Trump being unhealthy? I mean, he's like one of the hell. He still golfs. Yeah. He still runs business. <laughs> he's he's a, still sharp wit. He he's can only form a, sentences. Yeah. He's only a few years younger than Biden, and the difference is incredible. He might as well be twenty years younger. I than saw Biden. someone from the left the other day on the beautiful site Twitter. <laughs> uh, Twitter.com, and they Correct. said the that friendliest place on the internet. The friendliest place uh, was like five percent of the actual users are on there. Yes, but uh, yeah. I saw someone call it. This is like one of their new terms because you know how the left has like these really cringy. They try to meme and they can't. Uh, yeah, one of their new terms, or maybe old terms. They've probably been using it forever. But first time I'd seen it, Mara Lardo. As like some kind of fat jab oh, at, at Trump, and I'm thinking, well, doesn't lame. that violate your basic philosophy and principles of can't fat shame? Right. Right. Oh, yeah. They run around all day saying Marlotto running candidates like Fetterman. Body just, positivity, right? Yeah, yeah. No, he's, he's going to need a lot to win that Pennsylvania race. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> but but that's the thing. You can hear the effect clearly. He's still recovering from the stroke. He's and, still- and Dr. Oz, Dr. Oz. He's a doctor. He's a doctor. How exactly. is he not on stage just saying right now, this I'm a doctor. I don't know what he's a doctor of. I don't know if he's actually, I mean, he seemed from all of his TV shows, but I don't, you know, Judge Judy is basically the equivalent of being a a real judge, you know, like, yeah, you know, he's a TV doctor, but I don't, I've never read because I've never cared about Dr. Oz's actual medical profession. So 
why isn't he on stage using that doctor thing as his his stuttering? And I'm not trying to make fun of the guy's stroke because I once knew a lady that had a stroke. She used to bowl right-handed, and then she learned how to bowl left. It's possible to recover, folks, but you probably just shouldn't be in political office. Yeah, well, that's yeah. A, it would have been better for him. I mean, that's another thing. Like uh, Oz is weak, but Fetterman is arguably just as weak, if not weaker, because oh, yeah. of the stroke. I mean, they could have. Literally. It would have been a slam dunk if he would have stepped down and he handed gets it over to somebody else. Sympathy after the points stroke. from like the Bernie people that right. loved their old Bernie guy. They was like, the guy shouldn't touch an office. I mean, he's an he's an idiot. <laughs> but <laughs> they they gets the sympathy vote. But the health is important. Obviously, you need to question whether or not they are capable as a result of this. And Oz actually has, he hasn't been doing it from the rally stage, but his campaign has been putting out these attack points primarily for the purpose of Fetterman, up until very recently, refused to debate Oz. And Oz himself is going out there saying, why won't Fetterman debate me? Is he afraid to debate me because of our, our stances on the policies? I know I have the right views and he's radical. Or is he afraid to debate me because his health is bad? And he has been hammering him on that point. And this is where it this is it gets interesting because another clip from Fetterman here. This is a campaign ad, so it's got the sad music playing over oh, it. Wonderful. This is Fetterman responding to Oz's attacks and just coping and seething and whining the whole way through. Can you even imagine that if you had a doctor that was mocking your illness? Yes. Ridiculing that? Well, here we are. Here we are right now. I would like to think that Dr. Oz may have really lost his way if you're going to make fun of somebody that had a stroke. Yeah, here's what the illness. Illness, yeah, no, th there's a difference. I mean, but first off, yeah, it's not an illness. It's uh, that's like it's, it's say, hey, you had a stroke and you are going to be in charge of what, what is this? The Senate race, right? This is for the U.S. Senate. Yeah. Yes. yeah, you're going to be a senator representing our state. You had a stroke and you can't put words together. This is not uh, this is not the Make a Wish Foundation. We are sending you to office. And he's fifty three years old, by the way. It's he not an attack on him. It, like, it's not Brie Larson. It's not like a personal attack or something. This is <laughs> it, this is um, which you know she might have a better figure than uh, Fetterman oh. does at this point. But uh, you know it's not a personal attack. It's hey buddy, you had a stroke and. Uh, we disagree politically, and I'm a doctor, and I, you know, you need to listen to your doctor on this. And but then again, that's the thing. I don't trust doctors, regardless. But Oz, yeah, yeah that's that's, that's, that is another point. Uh, you got to remember, a lot of the people that Oz has to win over, they have been so screwed over by the system mm -hmm. that they don't trust doctors. So that's another tightrope that Oz has to walk in this situation. And another thing that can be dangerous is if he puts all his eggs in the stroke basket, because Trump went all in on trying to paint Joe Biden as senile and incompetent. And Joe Biden came out there in the first debate and kind of kicked his ass because Trump had COVID and Biden came out. I don't know what, if Biden took anything to spark, you know, to, it they definitely gave anything, him some steroids medication. Or He was pretty sharp in the first debate and that kind of put a lot of centrist and a lot of Democrats minds at ease. So if Fetterman comes out swinging and he does pretty well in the debate, that could, you know, do away with a lot of the, these attacks yeah. on his health. Biden also has that old school. Hey, listen, Jack, you know, like that kind of union room meeting stuff. It just appeals to people. But he's he, using that anger that yeah. as a symptom of his dementia. He's using that anger as a weapon sometimes, yeah. which it can work sometimes. But the point is he's attacking Fetterman mercilessly, and Fetterman is forced to respond. He's doing old campaign ads on, oh, meanie, Dr. Oz is attacking me. That's the other point, of course, is Oz is not your doctor. It's not like he's your personal physician, so it's not like he's obligated to not attack you. But the point is he's being forced to respond, which in politics, it's true, it's been said, in debating and political rhetoric and campaigning. If you're on offense, you are winning. If you're constantly having to defend against attacks, 
then you are definitely losing. And that's why very recently, this is from Newsweek. I'll post a link to the article uh, in the description below. Fetterman did finally cave and he has agreed ostensibly to debate Oz sometime in, he says, mid to late October. Oh, gee, that's real convenient when most mail-in votes are already submitted. Ballots are submitted by that point. But the fact is he is... Oz is setting the parameters of these debates and he is winning. That is definitely very Trumpian that he is just mercilessly attacking to the point he is forced to respond. So that is a good sign. Uh, but it's not, and this was noted actually uh, by NBC senior politics reporter Jonathan Allen, who gave Oz credit. He said, and not just with Fetterman's response, he said, uh, you know, he is forcing the media to report on this. What it, quote, what it is doing though is it's making the media report on Fetterman's health. And that is something that had not been there a lot during the summer. End quote. Subsequently, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, Fetterman's hometown newspaper, had an editorial put out saying, basically criticizing his ability to serve in the Senate if he's not doing well physically. Quote, if Mr. Fetterman is not well enough to debate his opponent, that raises serious concerns about his ability to serve as a United States senator. If his communication skills have not yet recovered sufficiently to effectively debate his opponent, many voters will have concerns about his ability to represent them effectively in Washington. End quote. So, so these attacks are working. Who are these attacks for, though? That's kind of my question is, okay, so are these attacks to get Democrats or centrists to flip or liberals to flip to get the left on Oz's side? Because those attacks won't work because they just voted in, voted in mm -hmm. Joe Biden. That's a good point. Yeah. So, but that, that is, that's a fair point. Like Jacob said, it didn't exactly work for Trump. And of course we can talk about the reasons why Trump ultimately lost the election, but that's a discussion for another day. But that's not the only line of attack that Oz is going for here. This is another article from Newsweek. Going to hit uh, him in the head with an eggplant or something off the <laughs> shelf. No, like even dollars. To your point, who is he going to turn against uh, Fetterman? He's going after one of the most crucial, most reliable, most solidly democratic voting blocks, black voters. Headline, quote, pro-Oz group releases ad that black Democrats fear could cost Fetterman the election. Quote, a new conservative ad attacking Democrat John Fetterman for pulling a gun on an unarmed black jogger almost a decade ago aims to sway black Was voters. a jogger? Uh, a jogger. Yes, a jogger. No. Innocent jogger. Unironically, yes. Black voters in the Pennsylvania U.S. Senate race. The ad cost half a million dollars created by a political committee backing Oz, says Fetterman, quote, chased down an innocent unarmed black man in his pickup truck, eventually pulling a 20-gauge shotgun on him. This is a reference to a December 2013 incident provoked by what Fetterman believed was gunshots he heard while playing with his son. So he thought he heard gunshots in his neighborhood. This is while he was mayor of Braddock at the time, by the way, a suburb of Pittsburgh. He thinks he hears gunshots. So he grabs his shotgun, drives around his pickup truck. It's the first black guy he sees. It's like, that has to be him. That's the man. Like, I mean, didn't we kind of have a whole sensationalized race-based trial around a very similar incident it, in Georgia not too long ago? It sounds like one of those – it sounds like someone takes, you know, the the big jogger story. I don't know what they're calling it, but, uh, you know. Ahmed Aubrey was the The, the main name. one, yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, rest in peace, put a mirror on the wall, whatever. Um <laughs> you know, it sounds to me like someone is taking Fetterman, and instead of doing the whole Sam Hyde bit, they're just putting Fetterman into it instead. But or, it actually you know, happened. But it actually like, happened. That's what's crazy. Because yeah. if I read that, I'd think, okay, they're they're pulling the Sam Hyde joke, where here's the actual shooter or, or whatever. It's Sam Hyde, but it's Fetterman. And, and it's real. And this is an ad that they noted is working. This is uh, later in the article. Reverend Mark <laughs> Kelly, Mark Kelly Tyler, a top Democratic organizer in Philadelphia who helped Joe Biden win black voters in 2020, said that this ad is comparable to when Trump used uh, Hillary Clinton's past use of the term super predators against her in 2016. She famously referred to black people as super predators advocating for her husband's crime bill in 1994. 
Uh, Tyler said, quote, this story can become a drumbeat almost every day or just result in one good ad that could depress Philadelphia's turnout by nearly 40 or 50,000 votes. That would be enough to lose the election for us. Yeah, how is Oz even appealing to Philadelphia? Philadelphia is a, that's a rough blue area. All, you don't necessarily well, have to the, appeal to it. All you have to do is just make the people there not want to vote for Fetterman. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, keep them at home. And noticeably, it says here in the article, the 32nd spot started airing Tuesday on networks including Black Entertainment Television, BET, the Oprah Winfrey Network, OWN, MSNBC, and ESPN, in addition to shorter spots on mobile devices. So you're putting the ad out exactly with the audiences you want to see it. You want it's black be the Pennsylvania. Uh, what was it? Blacksit or whatever that Black, was called. Blacksit. Blacksit. Yeah, in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Unironically, Blacksit. in Philadelphia – that you get 40 I, I never liked the whole Blexit thing. I always thought that was the equivalent of Hillary saying, you know, hey, I got some hot sauce right here in my purse, you know, like <laughs> or, that. Or Jeb, yeah. Jeb is the humble yeah. guacamole merchant. You know? Yeah, I feel like whenever, and that was kind of an organic thing in the Trump movement. That was what was crazy about the Trump movement that I remember early on before people were even talking like that. Um, there were signs like just people would bring that was like blacks for Trump, Latinos for Trump. You know, this was a really a, a uniting movement. We haven't got to see such unity in a while I, I just forgot what that was like and you know trump out there said look at my african-american over there uh, the that best. was yeah. one of my favorite <laughs> things beautiful it's one. almost like again because he was huge he was very popular with rappers back in the day like yeah. the 90s and 2000s they wrote he's songs. the american dream man exactly. i mean uh, these but guys love trump he just, he's friends with dennis rodman and all these guys yeah. you know the pardons he got for these rappers i'll bet in that moment he probably wanted to be like a rapper and yep. say look at my <laughs> stopped himself trump's got the pass and we all know it folks you know it i know it <laughs> We the, all know the it. blackest white and man in American history. He is. I, well, he's really more uh, black than Obama was when you think about, you know, <laughs> yeah. the guy's a straight. Yeah, he's the sure. top G, as Andrew Tate would say. <laughs> yes. You know, but Trump, the base, the, the base thing about Trump is not OK. Yeah, it was kind of cringy. The whole, you know, we're going to get the most black votes ever. And they really focus. It was kind of felt forced a little bit. And I don't know if it worked well enough. I mean, he did get all those votes. He did get more than what any president in his situation, 12 he, million more. He, he got, got yeah, more than he, he needed to win. 12 million more than 2016 from 62 million up to 74 million, which was the most ever for a Republican and the most right. ever for an incumbent president. But when you actually look at his career over time, he did, in fact, do tons of things for that community. Yes. But not even their star, Barack Obama would have ever done for them. And Biden still hasn't done to this day. I mean, those are the areas you kind of need to hone in on. And so. Biden still got, I think, like I'm, 87, 88% of the black vote in 2020. So something like that. Yeah, he so. has connections. To, he's a meme. It's <laughs> yeah. crazy Uncle Joe. He's got the ice cream cone. He kind of looks good. You know, yeah, He was Obama's at? VP. Yeah. yeah. So, But, but the, I'm, I'm interested to see how Dr. Oz is going to attack that situation. But if that ultimately works, I mean, I'm looking at the margins here. In 2016, uh, Trump ultimately won Pennsylvania over Hillary by about Forty-four thousand votes. He should, and 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 Oz should too. And I'm shocked Biden did. That's why he I just look Biden. at stuff on the surface here. Okay, yeah. here comes Biden. He rolls into Pennsylvania early on when he was campaigning, and says, "Yeah, we're going to shut it all down. Yeah, all your oil is just going to shut it down." Like he said that it was on yeah. film. Pennsylvanians got to see that from his blabbering mouth, and then he wins Pennsylvania. Uh, you just don't win states like Ohio and Michigan and Pennsylvania when you go out and attack their core industries like that and attack their very being and tell them learn to code. So uh, I'm very interested in what Dr. Oz is going to do, because other than being like everyone's favorite Midwest TV doctor, I'm not sure how he's going to be able to accomplish winning over those votes. Yeah, and, but, and that's another thing that Oz has. It's a weakness is he doesn't have one or two policies that you can really identify him by, like yeah. uh, like Vance does, because Vance really does have policies you can identify him with. Everyone knows that he's a hawk on immigration, 
Everyone knows that he is a non-interventionist on foreign policy who follows politics with Oz. There's really nothing you can point to. Like, Vance, what, what is he running on? He has a book that's you know pretty, I guess, well written. He's got some things behind him. He's got all the, he got the Trump endorsement. Obviously, the biggest part of it. Doctor Oz doesn't have anything. His website's terrible. Last time I read it, unless he's updated because it, it was kind of right after he announced. But his website's terrible. His policy lays out layouts are terrible. He has nothing in favor uh, for him as far as any of substance, which is what people are looking for especially in the trump era they're looking for real and dr oz comes off as like a botox i don't know if he actually has or not but he just comes off as that you know fake botox celebrity on tv it it went down the can for him so now he's running for office just to keep up his lifestyle and he's in there slinging celery around the grocery store i just don't know how it's going to go for him he has a point about inflation but like he picked the worst products to do it on and <laughs> yeah. also and i was really upset the- because he was trying to make in turn, the argument that health foods aren't cheap, therefore reinforcing the, oh, I'm a poor soccer mom and I got to run my kids through and get them five Big Macs because it's cheaper and quicker than, than making vegetables. So that's kind of my prowess. That's what I was watching, thinking, ah, oh, you're sending the wrong message here, especially as a doctor. But go ahead, Jacob. The, the only way that I see him, um, well, I mean, I was going to I was going to point on that as well, but the only way that I see him actually winning is if he rides the coattails of the gubernatorial candidate in Pennsylvania. The guy who's running for governor yeah. in Pennsylvania, Doug um, Mastriano. Doug Mastriano. So, oh, he's based. Doug Mastriano is someone who actually can seriously galvanize social conservatives in Pennsylvania who were crucial to Rick Santorum's victories back in the early 2000s. Oh, yeah, well, there's plenty so, of there's shovel ready jobs guy. Was that him? Or that that was um. Was that Gary Johnson? That wasn't Gary. No, that was Rick Santorum because he came out of nowhere on the debate stage. Oh, well, no, the joke about uh, my dogs have created more shovel-ready jobs. Yeah. That was Gary Johnson. That was Gary. That was the guy who dropped out to then run for the no, Libertarian nomination. that was nomination. Rick Santorum, right? I, I'm going to look that up. Gary right. Johnson was the Aleppo guy. Jamie, pull that up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh wait, Jamie. we don't have a Jamie. Hang on. I'll, I'll, I'll oh, do we're not on the Spotify. Jamie. That's why we don't, we don't get our uh, automatic um, young Jamie <laughs> that comes with that deal. <laughs> um. Yeah, okay, yeah, it was Gary Johnson. This was 2012. 2012, the primaries against Romney. It was Gary Johnson who made the really? shovel joke. Yeah, he then he exploded for like five minutes, then faded. He dropped out. He was the Libertarian nominee that year. Then four years later, he was Libertarian nominee again, and then he made the Aleppo joke. Yeah, so that was, yeah. Lowberts, they're no. fun. Santoro? But, but yeah, that's, yeah, that's really Oz's only chance of winning is he's got to ride the coattails of Mastriano because Mastriano, it, the key that he has, is he's able to galvanize a particular segment of the electorate. Mm-hmm. He's able to galvanize on social conservatives and an actual ideological nationalist. Whereas it, and the thing is like, it might be a good enough year for Republicans to where Oz is going to win anyway, just because mm-hmm. of, you know, the people are sick of Biden, sick of the Democrats, but that's his only hope. Right. So yeah. And again, Oz does have to lock, walk a lot of tight ropes here between you know, appealing to suburban moderates, independents, what have you, and also the Trump base, because again, he was endorsed by Trump and this was crucial. This was what won him the nomination. In the end, it was very close between him and McCormick. McCormick hit hard on, you know, he's a carpetbagger, you know, you know, celebrity, whatever. And in the end, with Trump's endorsement, Oz ultimately won by less than 1,000 votes, a difference of 0.1%. Hmm. So very narrow. And I think that could reflect on the general. It could be very close. But Oz, remembering who he has to thank for this, we talked in the previous episode how McConnell is turning his back on based candidates like Blake Masters or Kelly Shabaka, and he turned around and held a fundraiser in his home state of Kentucky for Oz and Herschel Walker down in Georgia. Uh, again, perhaps seeing, oh, these are celebrities. Yeah, they're endorsed by Trump, but I can control them. I can get them on my side to support me for a Senate majority leader. The other day on Fox News, 
Uh, Oz did an interview with Brett Baer, and this was a pleasant surprise for me. He said this. All right, last one very quickly. Will you support Mitch McConnell for leader if you're elected? I look forward to being in the United States Senate and having to make that decision for the, the next leader of the United States Senate. I, it will be a Republican. But you can't make it tonight? Not going to make it tonight. Not going to happen. <laughs> so he's got, a, he's got this great little grin on his face as he's saying this. Like he He's fully prepared to leave that door open like... I'll support a Republican. I want to get your guys' thoughts on this because I was just discussing this turtle the other day. And I'm not talking about the turtles in Jeb's pocket. I'm talking about the, the big one, the big turtle, the one from, like, Finding Nemo. Right? Michelangelo? Like 120 years old. He's been there forever. <laughs> yeah. Was his name Michelangelo in that movie? There was Michelangelo, Leonardo. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Some of the oh, you're talking to the no. teenage. I was talking to the yeah. new turtle. I was Sorry. talking to the guy. He's like, 120 years old, still going. That's Mitch McConnell in the Senate. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Finding Nemo. But, well, uh, yeah, he's 120 years old, and the cocaine is what keeps him going. Yeah. That's clearly it. But I was just discussing it with the brother the other day because we'll go on extensive political talks. And he tends to be more libertarian on things than me. I'm more of kind of yeah, nationalist or um, someone's got to get in there. It's got some, we need an adult at some point. I know it sounds like a dictatorship, but, you know, something has to move here because these ideologies can't compete. But I brought up the point. I said, all these people go out there and they talk about jobs. They talk about oil. They talk about all the, the normal stuff. They talk about how much they support Trump, how much they love Trump, how much, oh, everything. Trump's great. Yeah, just get me that endorsement. Get me in office. No one's out there campaigning on the real problems. We need to remove Mitch McConnell. Yes. Because, yeah, sure, get all these people in there. Get every Trump endorsement you want in there. If none of them have the priority going in to group together to get some of the old boys out of there that are just happy with the way it all has worked and will continue to work, and it's the same story and it has been for the last four or five decades, if no one's going in there with that fight, because what's going to happen is they're going to get in there and McConnell's going to shut them up. They're going to start making deals, and what goes on behind the doors of eh, some way that direction over there across the river is way different than what's presented to the public, and we all know that and all the little politics that goes along and all the red tape, if we don't get people in there with the fight and the will to publicly say it, then we're just not going to really make much progress because we had, what, all three branches at one point? And First two years. We were going to lock her up, right? But now here we go. We didn't do that. He would look like a dictator. We can't do that. Now we have January 6th people rotting in gulags. We over have 600 days. Over 600 days now. It's been a very long time. Uh, we have Steve Bannon was just arrested on some more nonsense Shit. there. New York State. The charges that Trump pardoned him for, for that whole uh, we build the wall thing, which yeah. all the, the actual evidence points to the other guy, the legless veteran, as being the real culprit here. Bannon was just guilty by association. Trump pardoned him on the federal level. So New York State says we'll file our own state charges against you. Yeah, that's you. what like, I was told is that they could still get him, get at him from the state level. So you have that happening. You have the FBI raiding Mar-a-Lago. Apparently Bannon has said that – you have, what, 30 or 50? 35 different Trump affiliates, uh, Trump allies, Trump associates, had their homes raided yep. on the same day. He first reported this on Charlie Kirk's radio show, and Charlie Kirk tweeted about it. And then Harmeet Dillon, a lawyer with the Republican National Committee from California, total rhino squish. I know this woman's history from California. She replied to that tweet saying, oh, yeah, I can confirm this. I know people that this happened to. So when you have a rhino saying that's true, yeah, yeah Bannon's not spouting BS here. That's true. And I'm not like the biggest Steve Bannon supporter or whatever. I walked in, my dad was watching him uh, right before the 2020 election. He got really big into Bannon, which I'm, mm -hmm. I'm glad for him. It's, it's a step away from the Fox News and all of that. This has really awakened a lot of the, the older generation or the generation that kind of had a great time in the 80s and things kind of got away from him there. It's reeling them back in. But he was watching Steve Bannon. I said, well, didn't we just dislike this guy or wasn't he fired or forced out? But there was so much shuffling around in the Trump administration. Oh, like, yeah. It's hard to, to hold it against him, but he has a point. 
And he was part of that. And that's the biggest point here is they're systematically going at, well, that sounds like a liberal there, systematically um, going after <laughs> systematic, yeah, systematic oppression. Mm-hmm. They're going after Trump people. They cannot stand that the elitists got called out the last four to six years Trump's been going on. They cannot stand they got it taken away from them. They cannot stand that Hillary Clinton didn't get into office. They can't stand any of this. That's why Joe Biden's going out there making that speech, um, that really goofy, creepy red speech. Uh, that's why he's going out there still parading Obama around. And what is it with these uh, White House portraits? Why? I thought they already had him. What, where well, did that Obama even come had from? the one where the artist was this like weird new age hippie loser. Did they who find out he had uh, right wing ties or something? So oh, they had to redo the, pa- uh, the portraits. The, it was the painting I'm thinking of where oh, it was Obama in front of this green hedges, like he was laying in a hedge, yeah, like I American Beauty style. And weird. Obama was embarrassed AF. So they, clearly he was like, oh, let's but get they a ran with one. that for th- that was it though. Uh-huh. He already had a portrait. So so yeah, they hate that too, I guess, and they got to redo that. This is about. Going after blue-collar Americans, um, this is about going after the middle class and anyone that uh, – because Biden go out there all day and say, I don't believe uh, that all MAGA people are, are traitors or I don't believe they're all a problem. But that's exactly what he means, he and that's what he said, said in yeah. his speech the night before. But a speech that had to be written for him, yeah. drafted, edited, and then they staged the scene in front of Independence Hall, which is an act of blasphemy as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, that was... But then the lighting, the Marines behind him in silhouette, and they staged that the advance and office so set that up. old. I don't care if it's our side or their side or whatever, going out and parading the word, the Constitution around. All that speech was was a bunch of buzzwords to try and get some of the centrists that weren't full loyal MAGA people kind of to come over to him. That is setting the stage for what's about to come next. I don't know as far as conspiracies goes, but I am just saying I'm seeing it in front of my own eyes. I'm actually seeing action that I wish we would have had a lot of when we had, because uh, there are some really evil, disgusting, nasty people, which we still haven't got the list for the island. Um, oh, that's true. Yeah. That's setting the stage for what's coming. And I wouldn't be surprised if there is an indictment on Trump or an arrest or something like that. Uh, and he's trying to brace the country for that. And trying to get in the minds of people watching CNN or whatever, going, oh, well, maybe there are terrorists. You know, he's trying to start uh, sending that message out to people. And I would just say brace for it. I don't know. They've, uh, they, you know, they've impeached Trump twice. He was acquitted twice. More yeah. important word, acquitted twice. Yes. Uh, they will probably arrest him or they'll probably indict him or they'll probably have some legal battle. It probably won't go anywhere in the long term, but they are definitely trying to scare people away from the polls. And, uh, yeah, I don't know where this has to go with Dr. Oz, but, you know, the point is they're trying to scare people on that. And Dr. Oz needs to fight. We need to fight. J.D. Vance, all of them, Adam yeah. Laxalt, Blake Masters, Ted Budd, they all need to fight. They continue fighting. Eric Schmidt in Missouri, of course, uh, DeSantis and Rubio down in Florida, with all the key swing states, they all have to fight this. Because what you just said, you no, know, I love that we got to that point. I know. Yeah, I don't it, know how, how I launched into that. I forget, I do that a lot. Um, that was perfect. Free that, baller. that was triple A diamond platinum podcast radio content Perfect. right there that was fantastic you know seriously every because every single thing you said is just true and i couldn't have said it better they really have reached a point of no return the crossing the rubicon was the moment they kicked down trump's door at mar-a-lago that was the the point of no return we are now at a point where they are it's mass political persecution of anyone who dared to commit the crime of being affiliated with trump supporting trump helping to craft his policies they like you said they were terrified that trump crashed their party for four years, and they cannot afford to let Trump himself or anyone even remotely like him get elected president ever again. That's just my Ohioan—that's uh, the little bit of it that I have in me, I guess, um, is that 
I don't care. You can get as analytical as you want about it. And there's a lot of arguments to be made and there's a lot of things to pay attention to. But as your average everyday American, and that's really the only people I can speak for because the things that go on in these cities are far above my mind and, and how all of it works. But from what I can speak to, that's how we see it and that's how we view it uh, when, when, he's, when he's doing stuff like that. And that, that is what's the most relatable. And uh, these candidates really need to find a way to, to show that they are with Trump and that they will actually do something because we are tired of the decades long, I'm going to go to Washington and I'm going to fight for you. And I remember what it was like when I was sitting at your local quirky bar or whatever, you know? No. And then they get in there and they say, and that's kind of why Trump's last few years are a little rough because he just got a little offended, I would think, from an observation that uh, they said he couldn't be presidential. He said, well, then I'll be the most presidential. And then he kind of got a little too much into it and all the people around him bailed. That doesn't help. But yeah. but that that is what is at stake here. That is what every candidate should talk about. Every candidate should be talking about the January 6th prisoners, the Marine, yeah. veterans, military veterans, police officers, working the class people. The one that was people. shot at Capitol Hill. That, that Ashley lady. Babbitt, Air Force veteran. Yes, Meanwhile, but, they burned down half the country. Not not one person would raise any anything to it. They wouldn't do anything about it. They took over a whole what block in Seattle, Seattle or they, Port, they, Chaz or whatever. They, they took over a whole police station. They burned down a police precinct in Minneapolis. And Kamala Harris on her Twitter while mm -hmm. she was running for president later became the vice presidential nominee and now vice president. She the day after that precinct burned to the ground to its foundations she posted a link to a bail fund to bail out the riders and the arsonists who burned it down and you want to know why that they they are so harping on this it's because we kicked their door yes we didn't kick the door of a cvs pharmacy or something anywhere mm -hmm. we kicked their door that we own and god forbid nancy pelosi's lectern got stolen in the process <laughs> exactly and it didn't even get stolen that's the thing he didn't oh, even, yeah. the guy I, didn't even steal it he, he was just a good photo he was yeah. just parading around with it yeah you have the, the guy it's with the, the white flag all over again the guy with his feet on the desk and i will tell you this right now <laughs> and, and many midwesterners and blue collar people can relate with this guy he did nothing wrong that is the funniest most funny thing i've i saw out of all of that i cheer that man on i think what he's got a prison sentence now or something like that um because that is from the trucking industry that I'm in, in the freight industry. That's some grade A humor right there. You, exactly. know, you go into the corporate man's desk. That's some Ronald Reagan jokes right there where you can go pound on his desk and tell him, I don't like the way President Reagan's running his country. You know, that's the representation of it. And, and that relates more than anything uh, a lot of these politicians come up with. Those people who walked peacefully through the Capitol and put their feet up on the desk yes. on January 6th, they were more American. They are, I should say, they are more American than those swamp creatures inhabiting that Capitol on a regular basis. 100%. We got to support them. Candidates all across the country should continue talking about this, what they're doing to Trump, what they're doing to Bannon, what they are doing to average Americans. As the meme goes, the famous meme of Trump goes, pointing dramatically directly at the camera, it says, <laughs> they're not after me, they're after you. I am just standing in the way. That is what this is all about. That is the right take, my friends. And this, wow, what an amazing discussion. I knew this would be a great episode, Jacob. I knew when we got finally over a year oh, yeah, later, sure. we got Kyle in studio and we made magic happen. The private jet was being repaired. Or uh, what was it Trump said at the night wing? Sorry to keep you waiting, folks. Complicated, Complicated business. business. What a legend. Praise be to Q Shaman. Yes, the man recreating the sack of Rome live in the Senate chamber. By the way, the queen is still alive, folks. Uh, she is waiting. Wait for her instruction. Q will be back with you on that. She's still alive. 630. What is 96 by 73? Q. 
I knew it. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, Kyle. It's been great to have you on, my man. We look forward. I think we could definitely do this again in the future. Oh, for sure. I, I've absolutely loved it. Your hospitality knows no bounds. You are an incredible host whenever I come into the city here. Uh, I really enjoy it. You are my my metro guide, my tour guide there. Uh, one of the great smart minds in politics right here, Mr. Eric Lendrum. Jacob, it's good to see you. I was, I'm sad I couldn't uh, see you in person here, but I will have to make a tour out to Nashville at some point. I always love uh, listening to you guys talk, and I try and throw you guys on the truck when I can, or in the truck, Absolutely. or on the radio, or whatever. Anytime. What is it, 8.37? 7.37 in Dallas. I love this fancy clocks. That's that's right, that's right. Yeah, we have a place to go tonight, myself, Kyle, and Jacob. Actually, a fun little activity we'll be doing in just a few hours here, guys, that we may talk about in a future episode here of The Right Take, but you guys... Another, another movie review. Uh, another, yes, okay, fine. We'll say that much. It's another movie review, but not quite like we, we've done reviews. We did briefly talk about Top Gun Maverick. We did a whole episode on the Elvis movie. This is going to be a movie review quite unlike anything you have seen from us before. But you guys are going to love this one. I know we're going to have fun tonight when we head out to do this with some cracking open some, cracking open some cold ones with the boys. I got some uh, some great Bold Rock cider that's native ah, to North Carolina, Virginia. It's Saturday. Like, it's, it's great. It's a Saturday night. Let's have some fun, guys. Thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of The Right Take. As always, be sure to follow us for all of our latest content at our website, righttakepodcast.com. The full list of social media platforms and podcast websites where we are available, righttakepodcast.com slash subscribe. And as always, if ever you guys are feeling oh so generous and want to continue supporting us and what we do here on the show, righttakepodcast.com slash support. We'll talk to you next week, guys. <laughs>